This is a HeadGum Podcast. We would like to thank our sponsor, Secret. Secret now makes a new product called Secret Active. It's for active women who do active things. And we do active things. We know a lot of people who do active things. I stay active by doing my yoga, by doing my running. Angela, you're a big walker in New York City. <laughs> I'm a big walker because I have no choice. <laughs> um, but I'm also a big sweater. So even when I'm doing like really mild things, I'm sweating a lot. So I, I need like a, a heavy duty deodorant. Well, just for the record, if it makes you feel any better, you've always smelled beautiful to me. Why, thank you. Thank you. I think a lot, a lot of that has to do with picking the right deodorant for you. Um, so this new secret active deodorant, it's activated by activity and designed to work in situations where you move around a lot. That could be fitness, but it could also just be rushing to accommodate your schedule, which is something I do a lot. Uh, so it's called secret active. Secret active is designed with long lasting scents, which provide a constant reassurance that it is working. Secret active. Buy some. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Welcome to the This Is Why You're Single podcast. I'm Laura Lane. And I'm Angela Spera. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we highlight a different dating topic. This week's episode is Laura is pregnant? Oh my god, I'm pregnant. What? I know. You are? That's what this bump is. Oh, I just thought you were bloated. <laughs> no, Angela, you know everything about my life. Uh, yeah, we're doing a whole episode on me being pregnant. But there's other things on the lineup, too. We're talking about what's new in dating news, the best sex positions when you're trying to conceive, and what a hatchlorette is, and why maybe you should throw one instead of a baby shower. Then we're diving into the mailbox to answer your listener questions, including what to do when a guy ghosts you and you have his expensive camera, and what to do when you and your friend meet the same guy on Tinder. But so for now... Much. Yeah, for now, I guess let's address... The elephant in the room, the elephant being your stomach. My stomach. And, and also the elephant being Nick Rad, our producer. Welcome. Hello. Wait, Laura's pregnant? <laughs> and this is how you're telling me? It's great content for our <laughs> oh listeners. Oh, my God. What's your initial reaction? Everybody, stunned. Welcome back to the podcast. My husband and our producer, Nick Rad. He's been on the podcast before a couple times. He hosted an episode with Angela when I was out of town. We also had him and Angela's boyfriend Ian on a bunch of episodes back. <laughs> we thought it was appropriate to bring him back. I think this is your third time yeah. on the podcast. It's me and Scott Rogowski. <laughs> <laughs> Are the third time <laughs> Our Hall of Famers. <laughs> um, I'm pregnant, Nick. Wow, huge news. <laughs> no, Nick knows. Nick knows. He knew. We all knew. Uh, uh, yeah, so... I, I'm pregnant and it felt really nice because, you know, I announced it on Instagram a couple, couple weeks ago or so. And a bunch of our listeners follow me on Instagram. It was really cute because in the comments, they kept saying, when are you going to talk about this on the podcast? I want to know everything. And that made me feel so good. It was so sweet that they cared. I know. They're very invested. I love it. It was so nice. It would be weird to have any kind of life event without having a podcast episode about it. Really. <laughs> I, there's a lot of modern strategy around when you share news with your close circle of friends, when you share news with your social media circle of friends. I mean, more so for you guys as, as podcast hosts, but yeah. I think even 
I think that's true for people in general. They, they're having to figure out how they strategically tell people news. It's well, it's especially loaded when it comes to pregnancy because there's this sure. kind of supposed three-month rule where you're not supposed to right. tell people until you're out of the first trimester. But that there's been a lot of pushback against that because if you have a miscarriage, like I first had, it makes people feel very isolated if you're experiencing that alone. Um, I didn't really navigate that well the first time I got pregnant, which, you know, I'll tell you guys about, but the second time around, it was even more loaded because I was so kind of traumatized by the first time I got pregnant and had a miscarriage. And it really made me question who I should tell, who I shouldn't. I don't know. My advice to anybody now would be only, you know, you should tell people early on when you're pregnant, like as soon as you find out. Um, but only tell people that you would want to be there for you if you have a miscarriage, you know, like you were one of the first people to know Angela because like, God forbid something bad happen again, or like it did the first time I wanted one of my best friends, you know, you would need to know why I'm crying, but when we're, you know, before a podcast episode. Yeah. I can't imagine going through that and not being able to talk about it with people. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, should I just get into kind of how... Tell us how it all began. How it all began. Okay. Start from conception. Well, <laughs> it's kind of complicated because I, I've talked about this, I think, a little bit on the podcast when we talked about going to pelvic floor therapy like mm-hmm. I went to. So I found out, I think it was two years ago, that I was born with one kidney. And then maybe six months after that, I had gone into another doctor through a very random series of events. I was getting UTIs. They wanted to, they sent me to, then I had a cyst. They sent me to some specialists and- He was doing a scan and he was like, you don't have the cysts anymore, but I think you might have been born with half of a uterus because I guess a lot of the way the uterus forms is if the kidney doesn't form, then, then the uterus doesn't form. And sometimes that fallopian tube doesn't form, but I had two fallopian tubes. Anyways, he couldn't believe that the doctor who, you know, the urologist who discovered that I was born with one kidney didn't think to check everything else, but they didn't. Anyway, so I was told that I was born with half of a uterus and that I could still get pregnant, but that the risk of miscarriage would be a lot higher. And he and I wasn't sure I was ready to get pregnant at that point when I found this out. And uh, but he basically said, you should get pregnant as soon as possible and or start trying, start trying to take a who knows how long it's going to take. I didn't know. Is it going to take? Am I going to get pregnant the first month? Am I is it going to take a year, two years, three years? Like I, I, I was just like. I didn't really process it very right. well. And know? all that was happening while you and I were like in the middle of pitching our TV show, which added a lot of stress to your life. It happened at a time when the most exciting thing in my career, our career, was happening where uh, we had just sold a pilot and we were supposed to film it and be in it Broad City style. And right. <laughs> that's an industry term. Broad city style. Yeah. Broad city style. Like that. Well, that was like basically what we, you know, that's what every executive wants. Yeah. So. Well, we were, yeah. Go- we were going to acting classes every week with a private instructor who taught, she was teaching SNL people in the afternoon and then like us right after it was crazy. Yeah, we would walk in and, and girls would be uh, rehearsing for Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> it singing was- arias. And we were like, we're here to do sketchy stuff yeah excuse me move over we're here broad city style (laughs) (laughs) she called us the girls yes um and i talked to you a lot about my anxieties angela is i was like well i don't want to i don't know what to do like what if you know our pilot doesn't get picked up and then i've like 
you know, spent too long trying to get pregnant. But then also, what if I get pregnant or a pilot gets greenlit and then I'm pregnant and I can't be doing a show about being single pregnant. I can't write that in. (laughs) It would have just been a different show. It would have been a great show, just not one that we wrote. And we had spent like, you know, two or three years working towards this from when our book came out in in December 2015. Yeah, we started in 13. Yeah, we met in 2013. It came out December 2015. But we were pitching it a little bit even before that when we had met with production companies. So like this had just been we had been working for years to get to this point. And we also had a lot of other people who had kind of, yeah, worked their butts off for us like our manager our agent the production company who nobody gets paid unless we all make money so they were working basically for free at that point like they do to to make this happen and set up meetings and go into meetings and show up and we had done trips to LA I just didn't want to fuck up this opportunity for everyone right yeah but weirdly (laughs) I know you felt a lot of pressure but I, from the first time you told me that all this stuff was going on, I was always kind of like, just do it, Laura. Because like, we also, you know, it had taken a lot to get to that point. But we also learned that like, you never know if something's going to work out. Like, we worked really hard. That pilot seemed like it was going to happen. Obviously, it didn't. Right. Um, it was really, the odds were low that it was ever going to work out. And I would hate for you to have like put your life on hold I know for this thing that was like never a sure bet anyway even my therapist was telling me that but I I really felt like I had to choose between one one or the other you know and then and Nick when you found out that I was born like you found out you were now married to a wife that was born with half a uterus and didn't have all her body parts you like didn't seem to care I felt you didn't feel the pressure that I felt in terms of having to get pregnant right away yeah I, I the first part of that is like i feel like there needs to be a schoolhouse rock episode <laughs> about a unicorner uterus just because like <laughs> you, you summed it up but it's still you know I, I i think it's like a diagnosis it's like a thing that someone explains to you and then you get this abstract bad news that something you might want is harder than you thought it was going to be but to me it's hard to like feel that it, it, to me it's just like I don't know. I, I maybe have some of that Angela Spera Eeyore attitude of like, <laughs> I, I'm kind of like, I think things are bad to begin with. And so right. when someone gives me bad news, I'm just kind of like, yeah, of course. You know, like, <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. I think I'm, I, disposition- well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, think, I do. <laughs> yeah, right. I think Angela does. You I mean think, like getting pregnant is hard no matter what? You I think, think? I yeah. think it's, it's broader than that. Life is hard. I think I'm somebody who comes at things without, like, I think, Laura, you have a lot of, like, you're a very up person and you have high expectations and you meet them all the time. And I think as a person, I tend to be like, I don't expect much from the world. So when something good happens, I'm sort of shocked. And when something bad happens, I'm like, that's normal. And that's like my way in the world. So, so for me, like, hearing that something that, like, the hardest part was processing how it affected you and seeing that it was like really tearing you up, but like it really affected you in a big way. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, I, I, you know, I, I will always struggle with that kind of thing because I think I'm more ready for bad news always. Um, yeah. yeah. So that was kind of my experience with it. Yeah. I have to give, 
I guess both of you a lot of credit because neither one of you put pressure on me either way, which in a way I kind of wanted someone to give me the answer, you know? My therapist tried her best because they're not supposed to tell you what to do. And like, and, and like, she was just like, start trying to get fucking pregnant. Like, she kept saying, like, it'll all work out, career and the baby. And I, I was like, but it won't. If our show gets greenlit and I'm pregnant, I have ruined this for everyone who's worked hard. On, on. But anyways, needless to say, I think it was like a couple months before we were supposed to shoot the pilot. And we got the call that that the network had decided not to go ahead and film our pilot. We we sold it and they bought the script, but in the end we were told we were definitely going to film it. I don't know, some loophole. They ended up not filming it. They were happy with the shows that that they had picked up for that 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 season and they didn't want any extra show any other shows. Right. But uh I mean it was that was like a hard thing for us to deal with. Almost a relief. But in a yeah, weird way. It was also, I think that, you know, I'm a, a godless heathen, but I do believe somehow that things really do work out the way they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, and you were supposed to have your baby. Well, and this and child not, and not will be a have star. A, this child will have a TV show <laughs> as soon as possible. Well, it didn't really Little work honey out. Little honey boo-boo. <laughs> it didn't work out exactly like that. But I, I tried, we started trying to get pregnant almost immediately after that. There were some, like, Nick had to go, you know, there were still some obstacles. It wasn't smooth sailing. Like, Nick had to go to Miami Art Basel because he had an awesome art show out there. And I... Was so paranoid about Zika. I bought him like ten mosquito repellent long sleeve shirts, mosquito repellent socks. Like he basically had to go outside in hazmat suit because this was at the prime Zika. I don't time. remember Zika. You remember Zika? <laughs> and uh, and I made him like freeze his sperm before he went because I just wanted to an make- actor prepares. <laughs> Listen, that's a separate. I <laughs> uh, but. It, Anyways, after six months of trying, we got pregnant naturally. And I remember you were on a, I peed on the stick and you were on a walk with Sam. And I was so excited for, I think we were like kind of in an argument that morning. So you came back and you were kind of grumpy and I was kind of, but I was just so excited. I was like, Nick. And you're like, what? Like, what? <laughs> what's this going to be about? That sounds like me. <laughs> and I was like, I'm pregnant. And you were like, oh my God. Do you remember? Yeah, I think it's I, most of my memories are like these vague, waxy, like kind of, but I can't like pin it down exactly. Yeah. You're way, you're way more specific with like place and time and probably what you were wearing or what I was wearing. <laughs> I think I was still in my pajamas, but I was so excited because when you find out you're pregnant, all I can tell you is it's like all you think about. So for the next, you can't go in to check on the baby yet. Or, or no, I I think I, I went in and got a blood test where they check your, your hormone levels and it confirmed I was pregnant. Uh, I think I went in that day or the next day. And then it's all you think about and you want to tell everyone, but you can't. And you can't go in to, to check for the baby's heartbeat and make sure everything's looking good for a couple weeks. So every day for the next couple weeks, it was always thinking about. And Nick was a little more, I guess I would say, reserved on going all in or and I think maybe because with finding out I had half a uterus the doctors had really scared us with all of the stats and we had done a lot of googling which which just scares you it said like you know like the live birth rate was low and I had like a 45 percent chance of 
premature delivery and like this percent chance of miscarriage. And so Nick was already pretty. I'll say this. They're way more negative than network executives are about the TV (laughs) show getting made. It's a lot more like this isn't going to work. Like that's a lot of that front loaded. They they scare you. Yeah. So when you found out I was pregnant the first time, what was going through your head? Um, I don't think I, yeah, I think a lot of concern because we had just kind of come off of like a lot of discussion about the challenges and the, the percentages of likely scenarios. And so it felt like we weren't out of the woods. And I think that, you know, my mentality was like, well, until it's good news, it's, it's just what's happening. Yeah. But after the blood test, I was pretty excited and I think I was getting kind of, uh, maybe like, I don't know if upset's the right word, but bummed out that you weren't on the same page that I was, but, but you, you tried to, I think, Maybe after like a couple of weeks, I remember you had downloaded some parenting podcasts that you were listening to and stuff. And then we went in to check on the heartbeat the night before I had a friend in town from L.A., one of my best friends. And I and we had like a girls night with her and my other best friend, Katie. And I told them I was pregnant and I had bought all these books and I had highlighted them already at that point. And like we were celebrating. And then the next day we went in to go check for the heartbeat. And there was no heartbeat. Yeah. It was really sad. <laughs> yeah. It was awful. Yeah, and it was pretty bad. To give everybody an idea of how dedicated Laura is to her passions in her career, I remember we had like meetings scheduled for that week and you were like... Did I go? I don't even remember. You were remember. trying to figure out if you could like go and it was just like, no... Like we, Did we, we cancel? We, we said that you had a medical emergency, but w- right. that was another example of like, you know, a lot of people didn't know that you were pregnant in the first place, so we couldn't, couldn't even tell anybody what you were going through. Right. Yeah. That was, I just remember walking home and my friend Whitney was staying with me and she was like, hey, how's your day? And I was just like, I like just started crying immediately. <laughs> and I don't feel like people didn't understand because they, they were like, it's, it was so early, you know? It was yeah. like, at that point, it was maybe seven weeks maybe six and a half even, but like every day, you know, that's like, like a month and a half pregnant, but I, I don't know. You're just, you like, I could like see it in my stomach. I already felt different. Like your boobs start to feel swollen and I don't yeah. know why like you feel pregnant. Yeah. That was fucking hard. But, but they, what was weird is they said there was no heartbeat. But maybe it was early and to come back in a week. And that was like, that was probably the hardest week of my life because I didn't know if I had a baby inside me or, or, or nothing. Right. And so we had to wait a week and, uh, and, uh, we had this big trip with friends planned for the, for the 4th of July too. Um, and, uh, and then we came back in a week. Yeah, every day that week was horrible. It was a horrible week. Like the yeah. worst week of my life. And um and then we went back and they said that the, the baby looked like it like and it's when I say baby, it's like a lighted dot on a screen that you can see inside of like they call it like an egg yolk sac. And uh and they said it grew a little bit, but there still wasn't a heartbeat, but that there was like hope. And uh, and then we had this this trip plan. We didn't know whether t- whether to go. And uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll 
how are you feeling that week? Yeah. Was it as bad for you as it was for me? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a bad week. I think that... So we kind of had to tell our parents and then they yeah. were freaking out. I think that, again, it's one of these things where I feel like one of the hardest things as a partner is to know that your partner is struggling and that you don't feel like where you're at, you have you have access to help them, you know, like that the thing that you can say doesn't seem to be working or that like the emotion that you're feeling isn't providing them comfort. And so you can try to like manipulate how you feel so you can be comforting in the way you think you should be. But, um, but I know that that, that was really hard because I think that, you know, my experience probably was guided by the fact that I tend to be a bit more like, reserved ex- ex- expecting bad news you know not so not ready to allow good news to be happening and and then to watch you struggle because not only what was happening inside of your body but also that this part of your life um contains all of the hopes and dreams and aspirations and the, and the miracle of life that like that that might not be true um I, I, I wouldn't have to be your best friend or be in your life to understand how devastating that would be, but to be that person was, you know, real tough. And so I think we had a hard time even coming together because I think we I were dealing with it so different. We weren't yeah. getting along. We were, it was like we were just coping so differently. We were on such different pages. Yeah, it was. That was a hard time. That was just that was a hard time. So we at the last minute decided to go on this this trip with like 20 other people none of them knew what i was going through because we we were supposed to go back like july 6 to find out if there was a heartbeat afterwards after all because they said the baby had grown a little bit or the the embryo and um yeah that I, you know, I tried to have fun that, that weekend. I just kept taking breaks and going in the room to kind of cry. And I would I was trying everything. I was trying like reeky on my stomach. I, I was like meditating. I was I, I swore I could feel the heartbeat. And uh, I wasn't drinking. And someone asked me why I wasn't drinking, you know. But I in my head, I was still pregnant. So I wasn't going to drink. And I, I was probably pretty snappy. I just said, I, I just I'm not. <laughs> you know and like they were probably so confused and thought I was a bitch or whatever but I in my head I was pregnant but I couldn't tell them I was pregnant I didn't want to get into the fact that I I might be pregnant I might not be pregnant I, I don't know if I'm pregnant I'm kind of pregnant it was it was very weird yeah I think there are, I've learned that there are a lot of potentially loaded questions that you could ask someone that is potentially pregnant yeah my friend who lost her baby at seven months she was even though this was only seven weeks and I I even told her I said I know that I'm not anything I'm going through is not close to what you went through she was the one person that was just so understanding and knew exactly what to say and she said that's not true like pain is pain (laughs) you know and um I just couldn't imagine what it was like to lose her baby at you know yeah like it was like unbearable to me. I, I just couldn't comprehend it. And I told her, oh, I know what I'm going through is not. She's like, stop saying that, you know, pain is pain. And she was the one person that has taught me so much about grief and mourning and just what to say and what not to say. And when she got pregnant again, you know, 
she was like, even saying congratulations to pregnant people she hates because she's like, you know, don't congratulate me till the baby's there, you yeah. know? There's just so many things not to say to people. And even then, it's hard for 18 years after that, <laughs> <laughs> at least. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think that, you know, you part of why you're talking about it now and part of talking about it is that it's just, a, I, I know it was a really difficult time for you. Some of that, it was the stigma of not sharing until you can share, but then it like added to this like isolation of, of you sort of struggling through this and trying to kind of put on a brave face for people. But it's weird even talking about it now. It's almost like I want to talk about it for our listeners and for strangers who are going through this. And, and I, and there's such a taboo around it. It's such a, you know, complicated topic and everyone deals with it differently and I'm sure other people that had miscarriages the same time I did maybe were much were okay and didn't deal with it as hard as I did maybe some people dealt with it even harder I, everyone just deals with this differently I it's weird I all those people we were with at the 4th of July I still don't know you know yeah. what what I went through my closest closest best best friends know and they're really still the only ones I, i've been pretty open that i have like a high risk pregnancy now but i don't know i felt complicated talking about it on the podcast yeah can just to add to that i mean just a cold stat that we were given from the jump like one in five pregnancies end in miscarriage that's if you're completely healthy yeah. that was like a stat that we walked in and heard and that's something that as like a 35 year old dude I had never heard that and that was like some news to me and so I that you know that's that's something that you don't hear that talked about and it's interesting like one in five pregnancies in life don't result in a live birth and that's a that's something that talking about stigmatization and people not being able to sort of discuss something because it's complicated and upsetting and frightening and all of the things that I I understand that you're feeling right now I do think it's positive to talk about, but I also think it's like up to you personally and any person individually to decide like who and what they want to share about yeah. that experience. It's weird. It's like I, I want more you know, people I don't know <laughs> to, I, yeah, I want, you, you I want to share this. it with them, but I almost, you know, my close friends have already know. And then the people that are friendly with on the periphery, it's almost like I don't want everyone up in my business. Yeah. Cause you, you don't, know? cause you don't, want to you want to be able to talk about when you want to talk about it but yeah not I guess. anyone else is kind of like it's hard and that stat's so interesting like so so we went in after the fourth of july on this on july 6th and there was no heartbeat and that was when they they said they wanted to do this procedure which is basically the same as when you get an abortion and they otherwise you have to kind of wait it out and I just, the thought of, it, it, to me, some people will, you know, feel like it's just cells inside your body. But for me, it felt like I had like a dead baby <laughs> inside my body. Yeah. I didn't want to just keep that in there for weeks and then just be waiting for this. Like, they explain, you know, they just say it's just like a bad, you know, period. But like just this gush of blood. I just couldn't, I didn't want to no. experience that and be waiting. Just like, when's it going to happen? Do I need to be by a bathroom to deal with like... How am I going to plan my next few weeks? Like, I, And I also wanted to get pregnant immediately. I was just, so I wanted just it over with. And then also if you do this procedure, they can test the tissue. And I just, I always want as many answers as I can. So they could test to see if it was a chromosomal abnormality. And if it's not, then they would figure out like, 
you know, what else could it have been? So I had the procedure done and, um, and it turned out to be a chromosomal abnormality, which my doctor said was supposedly good news because it meant that it didn't have anything to do with my half uterus, the unicornate uterus. Um, but then all these things were going through my head. Like I, that was so traumatic. I don't want to go through that again. Should we do IVF? Cause you can, you can test the, the chromosomes. Yeah. The embryos and make sure you're only putting in one that doesn't have abnormalities. So like, you know, but, but that's the whole thing. And I, anyways, and then also around that time I had a friend's birthday that I had planned before I had gotten pregnant. Another trip. It's so hard. We've got these things you've already planned, you know? And um, this is kind of going back to the stat you said. And, and I had one friend on that trip who was just talk about not knowing what to say to people, you know, was just so insensitive and said, you know, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm probably going to have a miscarriage. It happens to everyone, you know, throwing out the stat one in five people. You know, my dad's a doctor. It's like not a big deal. I've had friends had miscarriages. They say it's like not a big deal. It was just so dismissive of like my pain and I understand that for some people that have miscarriages maybe they are completely okay with it and it doesn't affect them the way that it affected me but I went into like the darkest depression for for months yeah I think it's pretty insane to tell someone else how they should be mourning something yeah also her dad by the way she said he's a doctor he's a plastic surgeon (laughs) shut the fuck up (laughs) I'm still mad I don't want to talk to that friend ever again anyways I'm just still, it just, there was a bunch of other insensitive stuff she said that was just really dismissive of my feelings and my pain. And, and, and anyways, I, I, I never should have gone on that trip in the middle of my like dark depressive state. I I thought it would help me like forget about or not forget, just kind of be at escapism. And that was like the biggest mistake because I was just in such a dark place. I wasn't myself. I mean, is that something for someone going through that? Like, would you recommend like, like how can you go out with friends like I don't like, know I still don't know <laughs> I think I just wasn't myself for months and I tried everything and things were really slow with with work with us because the pilot had just ended yeah I didn't have much distraction during that time other than like being consumed by my grief and and just consuming information on like on how to get pregnant again and reading books and message boards and being obs- I was just obsessed with reading articles about people that had had miscarriages and 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 talking to my one friend who and I went to groups the right. for pregnancy loss support groups which I found so comforting and at first I didn't want to go I just wanted to be by myself in my own grief and then and then I I brought Nick to one and and I found it so helpful and these people had gone through things that seemed so even just hearing the stories sounded so much more traumatic than what I had been through, like giving birth to the bait and just, and, and they were all so understanding of my own grief. And they, at the beginning set this, you know, they said, you know, all of our stories are different. Please don't compare one's pain to another. It's all pain. And, you know, no matter when you lost your baby or how, or what happened, you know, please find the commonalities in our stories and not the differences. And that they said that before it started. I don't know. Did you, did you, how did you feel about going to that pregnancy loss support group? Um, you know, I think like 
kind of how you're saying, I think every person is sort of tuned to experiences in a different way. And so for me, I, the hardest thing about this whole experience for me is sort of what I was saying earlier is like seeing you in pain and feeling unable to change that. And so I think going to it, it was definitely like, well, maybe this is an avenue to help change that. And it, it, in that way, it seemed, you know, really beneficial. And I definitely connected to how people were sort of sharing us that experience because it broadened my range of understanding of how, how people's lives are affected by um, something I guess I just haven't in life thought much about. And that's just a miscarriage, but also the inability to talk about it. And that's sort of what I guess we're doing right now. And it's something that as you talk about it, I, I recognize your pain and it makes me like, I'm, I guess it's like bringing up a question that I have for you, which is like in life, like when did, when for you, did you know, like, like all these things, all these things kind of came to a head because you sort of realize like, well, now is the window in life when pregnancy is most viable for you. And it felt like it amplified a true, you're calling to be a mother. And that's something that like as a couple, I think it's like there's sort of like a vague understanding about that as we like move forward. But like it's something that individual people, I don't think discuss that much. It's like a feeling or an urge you either have or you don't. It's strong or it's not but it all kind of like became this huge sort of pressure cooker yeah. and it, and, and all those hopes and expectations were driven and then taken away from you. And before you got to have that experience. And so I guess like I'm sort of hearing you talk about it and I'm kind of like, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're in the beginning of this discussion and there's, there is like, you know, a, um, a better part of this discussion, but I think when it was dark, it was really dark. It and was so, so dark. I don't, I, I remember, I remember getting a, like a maternal instinct, maybe like around like 24, 25 years old. Mm -hmm. And it was like around the time like we had been dating and I just like really wanted a puppy. I I knew that I like, it wasn't ready for a child. We weren't even, you know, I I just, I wasn't going to have a a baby after dating someone for a year. And and I wasn't going to talk to you about that. I I didn't want one at that point. I was like, so career driven. I still am career driven and I, you can be both. That's why this comp, you know, it's so loaded about even wanting kids. And, and I'm very of the belief that, you know, well, you don't, you don't need to want to be a mom. You could be, (laughs) and there's a million ways to be a mom. And we have a whole chapter in our book about not having a timeline and, you know, that's like a whole other conversation. But I, I do remember like this maternal instinct kicking on in around 24, 25. And it, it kind of came out of nowhere. And I just had to have a dog. <laughs> and I just had to have something to take care of. And so for a year, it was all I talked about was getting a dog. And we finally got Sam. And that really weirdly fulfilled my maternal instinct for years. <laughs> and, yeah. and I just, it was like this need to take care of a like an, another creature do you think it was your relationship with nick that kick-started that feeling i i don't know that's a good question i, was, I don't know i was just the guy standing around when I kicked in, so <laughs> right place I guess right it time worked out for me yeah. <laughs> i don't know and then um not so but angela have you had that experience yeah. do you have that experience like in i'm curious not because you have really i, I don't think so yeah, right? i don't mean to put you on the spot uh, if you no. want to talk about it i mean I, so i'm 29 years old um 
but I all I'm like career wise, financially, all that stuff. I feel like I'm in a very different place than you are slash you were at 29 years old. Um, so I feel like I keep waiting for it to kick in, and mm-hmm. I think that I will. Um, I I kind of was always like maybe I will, maybe I won't. And then Ian and I early on in our relationship, uh, Ian was like, I don't know if I want kids. And I remember my stomach dropped and I was like, I don't like that. And then I was like, oh, I guess I want kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, so by contrast. And so right. Way. Yeah. So four years later, we've had more conversations sure. about that and we're both a little bit more open to it. But it's definitely um, not like a, a nagging feeling I feel right yeah. now. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's totally fair because I think my experience towards it has been through Laura's uh, impulse. And I think that that's just true for me in a, like a lot of things. Like I wouldn't do a lot of things if the person I love didn't really want them. But then when it happens, then I, I realize kind of what you're saying. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that was in me in some way and I didn't recognize it. And so I think like that's the hard thing is like being in the same place as your partner at the same time, um, both for like really hard things and for you know, really hopeful things, but yeah, it's weird. Even with you, I, I remember all these moments that you don't even remember. I remember watching Mad Men and there was an episode where Don Draper, his like little boy comes out I, to I, get M&Ms. You don't even remember this episode. I, I, yeah. I, you keep saying, I don't remember. You've told this story many times and I just don't believe I've, I, I, I remember it. So I feel clear. like this is, a I can dream picture this. You, oh. yeah, no, I can picture the wow. scene and he like, kind of like boots his kid off to bed and, uh, his kid had like come out in the living room and you said, I can't wait till I can like scoop my little boy off to bed. And I never forget it. I I think this strong, like negative thing in me is like, I would have never said that, which is that it's only, it's only to say that having nothing to do with children just because it's cheesy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would have said something awesome. No, but but I think it's like like, later on you said, you said like you could go either way with kids. And I remember being like, what? That is not the impression I got for the last seven years. Well, other <laughs> the than, last other 45 than, minutes of Mad Men. Yeah, <laughs> other, other than this one, what I believe to be fanciful narrative about Mad Men, I'm not sure what else uh, I've done that I indicated just, that I was like driven towards a need I feel like fatherhood. we've talked about it or talked about having kids. I wouldn't have married someone that I knew didn't want kids. Yeah, I guess I, you never said that I don't want kids. Yeah, but I think you're sort of describing like, and it's it's fine because I think, you know, we're, we've like many things in life that we've done together that, that we kind of come at it in our own way and we end up in a, in a place where we feel good about it in our own way. And, but I think that like, I, I think every single person when talking about the bigness of like childbirth or, or trauma or whatever, every person kind of has a different route to the extent of their feelings. And I think that like, I don't necessarily recognize like, like when I hear you describe what I am like, sometimes I'm like, Oh, I, I don't see that. But at the same time, I feel like the important thing is that we believe in each other enough that, you know, if we disagree, we like come together over something positive. All of it to say that like, through you never said you didn't want kids. (laughs) No, I just mean you like from the beginning, but I guess, but but I guess you're not saying that. No, I'm not not saying that now either. I'm just saying that I, I asked you that question because I, I don't, think I ever had a moment where the idea of being a father was somehow predestined or necessary or I was driven to it in a way that it was like oh I and this has to happen but I think that like 
the, the experience of having that was like recognizing that, oh, the, what we're being told by doctors is that we have a sort of a, a more complicated, limited window for this to be reality. And that made something that I had never really felt like, like that this has to happen, uh, realize like if it is going to happen at all, it has to happen now. And that, is, and that is powerful. I mean, it's, it's powerful because it's like, oh, I don't get to think about my life as like, I get to make all the choices when I want, how I want, which is how a child thinks, but also how I was living. And, and when that happened, I think that that's like, it's like really humbling and complicated and going through that with somebody that you love is doubly challenging because it's like how you feel and how they feel. And you spend a lot of time trying to make sure that, um, that those things are, are together. And when, and when they don't feel together, it's like very scary. And I think that like through it, my number one thing was like, this is the person that I love. So no matter what, like that's what I'm going to, well, that's what we're going to come out on the you other side. You were supportive. You like did the sperm thing. <laughs> you <laughs> came to all the doctor's appointments. Well, I, th I think only, only by external force would I end up <laughs> jerking off into a cup and, ha and handing it through a metal door to a very polite woman who then opened the door and told me I filled the form out wrong. Uh, which, I, I mean, she was very clinical about it as one would expect. But yeah, that's... You never pushed back. You, yeah. you, you were very easygoing about, about all the awkward weird stuff which made it a little easier <laughs> i was always thinking like like my brain works to think of like not only 10 steps ahead but every scenario so i was googling like surrogates adoption ivf like every you know i try i tried iui because i just thought oh, maybe this will help make it quicker iui is like where they they take a catheter and they stick nick sperm and they like place it into the uterus. I was just so impatient after, I think, I can't remember if I tried that the first time. We got pregnant naturally the first time, but, but anyways, and then, and then I tried, I was, I was like getting annoyed at the pee sticks, not knowing uh, after the miscarriage, not knowing it was kept telling me I was ovulating multiple times throughout the month. So then the doctor suggested I try this thing called Clomid, which I'm pretty sure is part of the protocol of IVF, but it, it's just like a pill you take that that helps increase your egg count. And like they made me super de even more depressed and messed with my hormones and didn't work uh, anyways. And then, and then we just kind of went back to like, trying naturally. Um, but I was doing, I was kind of a psychopath. It was like three or four months trying everything. Like I, well, you're a determined person. I am. Yeah. And I was just so depressed. I had, and I, I remember not working on anything. There was like nothing going on at work. I didn't, I didn't have my like new show. You and I, things that just, we were kind of taking a break after the news with the pilot. All I was doing, my job was to get pregnant. Weirdly though, we were recording podcasts. So it's interesting to go back and listen. Yeah. I don't know. I was the subtext I was, now. I guess I was able to kind of tune out when during those hour long episodes, just talk about dildos with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, one thing that kind of helped, I we did a pelvic floor episode and I, I was having kind of UTI symptoms again during this period and I went back to my pelvic floor therapist and told her I you know, was trying to get pregnant and she was like feeling around my uterus and, and she was like, I told her, you know, she knew I had half of one and she was like, I think it's also tilted though. And all these books I was reading kept saying you're supposed to do missionary position when you're trying to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. She's like, I, I kind of think that's not the best position for you because... 
just it's tilted. I, I don't know. You know, I can't be sure. But I would try the opposite position, which is doggy style. And all of a sudden this light bulb went off. And I don't know how the hell I remembered this. But I remembered that that's what we had done the first time <laughs> that I got pregnant. <laughs> and uh, I was like, thank you. And uh, and that month I was like, OK, I think I think at that point I had like you know two or three weeks before I was about to ovulate. And I tried everything that week. I, I had read like every superstitious like witch doctory thing. I was drinking. Uh, I was only eating like anti-inflammatory foods. I had was eating like drinking matcha tea, Brazilian nuts, turmeric shots. I had like these pregnancy crystals. I did acupuncture. I went to cranial sacral therapy. I was taking Vitex, eating blueberries, salmon, chlorella, vitamin D, and then and going to yoga and then i told nick we also need to do just doggy style this month so to our unborn child uh (laughs) this episode will be delivered to you on your 18th birthday (laughs) no so you can know nc17 yeah the the gritty details of your conception Uh, just health food and doggy style Health food, doggy style there were crystals involved (laughs) i was that really doesn't sound that bad guys (laughs) (laughs) i was like a psychopath so i don't know which of these things helped get us pregnant oh but then also i remember nick's sister had said that like all of her children were conceived by the beach and we happened to have my cu- my my cousin's wedding my cousin's wedding which was at the beach so on top of all of this we were we were going to the beach doggy style eating blueberries just hear, with like, crystals <laughs> in the distance anyways guys i got I, and I got I got pregnant that month. So if, yeah. that, if you put your ear up to Laura's stomach, it sounds like the ocean. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. <laughs> that psychotic month I got I got <laughs> after all that long list of things yeah. I, I got pregnant. A, a, a real a real hero's journey we went yeah. on to to get to that point to announce again that you are indeed pregnant and it's a and healthy baby boy. Sure. Uh, although, you know, it's this is the thing. I mean, I think like we're we're talking about this because as I I feel I'm kicking right now. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're we're going through something that is so profound beyond our ability to like comprehend. I mean, we're sitting here reading books, talking to friends who have kids trying to like prepare ourselves for something that uh, I feel excited about, but but a mix of like excitement and terror, you know. I, I it's taken me. I feel like it's only recently that I like the. T- I mean, I'm still so scared. Honestly, getting like at 24 weeks, there's like a God forbid anything happen, like the baby can survive outside the womb, and that was just like. Sure. I mean, not until 34 weeks. There is 34 weeks is a lot safer because like you you can like look at the stats, which I've googled probably every week I just Google to check and read them once again of the percentage of, of, of how can the baby, how, how percentage can the baby like live at, at this many months and, or this many weeks and then this many weeks. And, and it goes, you know, you get to 90% at some point, I think at 30, at 30 weeks, it's really good. 34, there's like a less chance of health defects and learning disabilities, whatever. Anyways, but so, 24 weeks is good, and right. I'm at 23 right now. Right. So, yeah. so somehow 8 billion people have done this because we're all here on this insane planet. It's happened. It's just when it's happening to you, it seems 
impossible, inconceivable, complicated, terrifying. Like a miracle. A, a miracle and, and a, a, like you look around at every single person and you just kind of go through this like, wow, you, you came into the world through this really uncomfortable process. And uh, I just look at every person and I'm like, you're a miracle. You're a miracle. You're a miracle. <laughs> you're a miracle. To be yeah. honest with you, though, seeing you go through this also makes me feel that way. Really? I think it's a miracle that anybody yeah, yeah is is born. Yeah. So many things have to go right. And it's just so crazy that I spent so long. I was like the person that I had an IUD. I would take birth control and use condoms. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I, mean, I didn't do the birth control the same time as I, but I was so paranoid of getting pregnant for so many years. And then I'm like, how the hell do these teen moms get pregnant? <laughs> it's not as easy as people think. And then I don't know. I've known a couple of people that got pregnant on their honeymoon. But my point is, is it's just, it's not always that. Well, the that cruelty of life simple. is that you're like more fertile when you're younger and less ready to yeah. have a child. That's true. But when we found out, it's still, I, w- I was, I had so much anxiety. I was so terrified. I was so happy. I remember Nick was shooting his web series and uh, I didn't want to bug him when I peed on the stick. Oh, and he was so sweet. I, that morning that I found out I was pregnant, I, I had put the pee stick like ready so I would remember to test in the morning. And I think Nick must have seen it because he left me like a cute little post-it note because he, I think he knew, you know, if it. If I wasn't pregnant, I was probably going to be depressed for another month, waiting till the next month I could try again, which, you know, isn't a good way to go about it. But that's just the state I was at at that time. And uh, and he like left me a little note that said, you know, have a good day. You're beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then then the stick said I was pregnant and I went over while he when he had a break and I told him I think I was. I kind of ruined it. I texted him and said, I have good news. Uh, let me know when you're free. <laughs> my my uh, crystal-toting, beach-bound, <laughs> ayahuasca-taking <laughs> wife who's been <laughs> manically depressive because she wasn't pregnant for the last eight months uh, was telling me that she had good news. I had an idea of <laughs> what was going it. on. Well, it only <laughs> took three months after the miscarriage. Sure. So that, But it, God, those three months felt longer than the six months. Those three months felt so long. They f- I couldn't when I looked at the calendar I couldn't believe it was actually three months it felt like forever and I oh god I had so much anxiety those two weeks until we could test for the heartbeat I thought I was gonna when we were in the waiting room to do the ultrasound which was the same waiting room where I had we had gotten the the bad news and I had got had to go back three times and you know where they had said come back in a week come back in another half a week which was like the most excruciating week and a half of my life and it's where I had to get the procedure I just thought that I was scared to go back in that office. And I remember just sitting in that office surrounded by other couples who were, it was a fertility office who were struggling to get pregnant. And I just like, I remember I thought I was going to pass out in the seat. I was so scared. And I remember looking around the room, just being like, all of you guys should have babies. Like I, like I wanted to be like Oprah, like you should have a baby. You should have a baby. You should have a baby. Cause I just felt the weight of, the energy of the room of like all these hopes and dreams of everyone in that room was like, we were all there for the same reason. And, and, um, yeah. And then I remember like just being on the table and, and being, and like, as soon as they put the, the wand, by the way, it's not like the movies, they put it like in you. It looks like a dildo. <laughs> they stick it in you. It's not on your belly for a while. And I just remember saying, is there a heartbeat? Is it alive? And she was like, Oh, not yet. 
and my heart sank. She's like, I don't know. She didn't say not yet. She said, I don't see a heartbeat. And I was like, I was like, I thought I was going to pass out again. I just started. And then she's like, oh, wait, nope, there it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I just started crying. Yeah. I don't know. But it still didn't really settle in for a while because they had scared us so much with the miscarriage stats. I don't know. When, when did, I, I think it's been a slow progress of finally being accepting the pregnancy and like letting myself be fully happy with it. Yeah. Or well, fully happy. Yeah. I think that as complicated and as hard as all of that was and as traumatic as all of it was, uh, we're just at the start, you know, of a, of a journey. And I think that that's something that's like really, I, I, I'm overwhelmed, I think in, in good ways now about what lies ahead. Cause I think that, um, you know, that this is, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's hard to condense this, conversation or this feeling into anything because we're right in the middle of the experience so here we are i feel the baby kicking right now um they still say there's a 44 percent chance of going into premature delivery with the unicorded uterus which is terrifying um but i have to go in every two weeks and everything's been looking amazing uh i'm almost six months pregnant and Everyone knows now. We waited a while. We waited till I was like 20 weeks along, which I guess is normal, or which is longer than, than I guess most people. I don't know. Everyone, everyone waits a different amount of time. Yeah, I, I don't blame you though for for waiting. But I feel like now that it's out there, I mean, maybe it's just like because I've seen more pictures and everything. But I, I do feel like you're more comfortable now. Like I'm so comfortable now because I I think after the 16 and 20 week tests where they told me like the baby's totally healthy. By the way, you don't, you know, you don't have both kidneys, but the baby does. <laughs> like the, I feel like the baby's better off than me in life. So I just feel like the baby can play sports. Yeah, the <laughs> the baby's doing better than I am. So I And this baby, like I said, will get that pilot and it will get on TV. Yeah. Nick is already a stage dad. <laughs> <laughs> He's the most healthy baby and yeah. and he kicks all the time and I just I feel so pregnant and all I've I've been having the easiest pregnancy. Would, would you say you're loving being pregnant? I fucking love yeah, being pregnant. Because you seem to, you seem to really be loving. I'm loving loving you being pregnant. I it's love being pregnant enjoyable. so much. I yeah. just stare at the bump. I'm so happy. <laughs> you're always rubbing the belly. Yeah. Rubbing the butt. <laughs> I think but before she was showing, there was a lot of like back arching, looking for that bump. Like he kept know. saying, I was like Kristen Shaw <laughs> on Last Man on Earth because she's like. She's yeah. like a month pregnant and she's like, I think my water broke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Laura, Laura has really enjoyed the whole uh, experience and I, it's been really fun kind of being a part of it and sort of watching it. Um, I feel like we're still in like the fun part, you know, it yeah. feels like it's going to get a little bit. I'm sure I'll start feeling like shit soon. Hopefully not. I'm not anticipating that, but I've been feeling so goddamn amazing. Like I, I feel like it's, I've been like blessed with the easiest pregnancy. I feel great. I mean, you know, there's all these things. Whatever, we'll talk about them later. Because Angela, you're gonna ask me a bunch of. Yeah, I want to know about your body. Yeah, you have a lot of like <laughs> pregnancy questions that we're gonna ask later on in the podcast. But uh, that's our pregnancy story for now. Thank you, Nick, for sharing with us. Thank yeah, you both thanks for sharing. For having me. Uh, all right, guys. 
That was a lot. I feel like I need a little break. I don't know if you do, but uh, we're going to jump into our what's in the news segment. We'll get into more pregnancy stuff later and I'll get very TMI, even more TMI than than all that. But but first, let's take a quick break to thank some of our sponsors. We would like to thank our sponsor, BioClarity. It is hard to find the right skincare routine and you know, it's hard to take care of your skin because if your skin's not looking good, you don't feel good. I used BioClarity and it really cleared up my skin. I really loved it. So when I recently went home to California, I brought some BioClarity that I was sent to my little brother and he said he loved it. Yeah. Ian similarly is really insecure about his skin and he's been using BioClarity and he also loves it. There you go. The, you know, different men in our life from little brothers to our boyfriends. We're hooking it up. Yep. But it's also for ladies. Yeah, it is for ladies. I, I've used it before and, and it was great. It really it really helped my skin. I like that it's green because it just like makes me think of plants because it does. It has chlorophyll in it, which is very cool. Yeah, so you know it's good for you. Just like a lot of other products that we really like, it also has no harsh chemicals. Um, BioClarity is full of antioxidants that help reduce redness, feed and defend cells with an alphabet of vitamins and boost your natural beauty. BioClarity is also delivered straight to you and is an easy-to-use three-step skincare ritual that's 100% vegan plus gluten and cruelty-free. All keywords that I am very into and that Checking I love. all the boxes. Checking all my boxes. Guys, start a healthy habit and get glowing clear skin. Just go to bioclarity.com. Our listeners will get their first month for only $9.95 plus free shipping. That's a $20 savings and it comes with a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee, but you have got to enter our code SINGLE. So go to bioclarity.com and enter our code SINGLE. All right, Angela, what is in the news? Well, we're still keeping with our pregnancy topic. Um, I was reading Cosmo. Sexy. Thank you. Uh, Cosmo had a story about what you need to know about sex positions if you're trying to conceive, written by Jill Hamilton. I'm going to have some opinions about this because I read a lot of shit. Yeah, we already see now, I didn't know that you conceived via doggy style. I conceived via doggy style. So that was a fun fact. That was going to be my first question. (laughs) Um, And I had done the whole like missionary, you stick, this one book was like, Stick your legs up in the air, put a pillow underneath you because it like helps the semen like flow better. But my uterus is tilted weird. Also, fun fact, I told my I told my acupuncturist because I like to share TMI information with him about conceiving doggy style. Also, I think his acupuncture probably helped. Like I said, who knows what helped? I did crystals and everything. Um, and he told another client who was who had been trying to conceive for a year mm-hmm. and she had also been doing the missionary stick your legs up in there for a year. He told her that I conceived doggy style. So she tried it that month, got pregnant that month. So we, we have two and eight billion uh, <laughs> evidence for doggy style right now. So, We're going to keep asking, though. This is a small and, and sample. People at home, ask your parents uh, yeah. what position you were conceived They should in. really come up with a better, more dignified name for it <laughs> since it is the, uh, the, I know, yeah, I hate the, the miracle of life. The, the baby maker, yeah. obviously. But no books that I read said to do this. Anyways, all right, go. With, tell us about your article. Well, I was just going to say, I, re- I always think about, remember in Knocked Up when they're like, when she gets pregnant, and they're all like, oh, you should have done like, girl on top like she can't get pregnant that's gravity it's <laughs> not true uh, i mean it's not true 
But I always thought it was way more of a joke than it turns out it is because it does matter how you have sex, apparently. It can matter, yeah. Um, I mean, they, they can swim. They can swim. They right. can defy gravity, yeah. those, those sperm. Yes. Yeah, don't go by like the, the Seth Rogen <laughs> method. Don't, don't use knocked up. As yeah. A, okay. Um, but so, yeah, the first question in this article was, are certain positions better than others? And they said there's no research pointing to one being clearly better, but there are um, some that may help your efforts, according to this doctor, Dr. Amos Grunbaum. Um, Dr. Amos recommends good old missionary. That's what I'm saying. That's what Which they all recommend. Do. They said most sperm... Bullshit. Most sperm are strong swimmers, but giving them the extra edge by having gravity on their side doesn't hurt. So look at that. That was wow. the same theory from Knocked Up. But Angela, this <laughs> is the first article that I've seen even mention doggy style. The they first, did. The first article that I've seen. So doggy style, they say, allows for deep penetration, which deposits sperm close to the cervix upon ejaculation. You know, if he's packing. Yeah. Depends on how close. Right. Um, but but I got to say, <laughs> also, Nick. it also... <laughs> I okay. He's no packing. He's packing. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Oh. But no, also, I think it depends on... on everybody's different. Your organs are different. Like, like I got lucky that right. this pelvic floor therapist told me that my like uterus was tilted and who knows if that's true or if that was correct. But both times I got pregnant, the only two times happened to be the only times we had done doggy style that month. Because every time I was trying to get pregnant, I was trying to do missionary like legs up in the air like every book and article was telling me. Plus we're at the beach. You got the acupuncture <laughs> needles in you. I mean, it's... You don't want to get sand yeah, in your butt crack. I don't want to get stuck with one of those crystals are everywhere. I mean... All right, all right. <laughs> um, was it, it... It wasn't at the beach though, for real. But <laughs> we're not it in your apartment. We were, <laughs> we were in a hotel room by the beach. <laughs> you were? Yes. Oh my God. Um, was it when you were staying with Nick's parents? Were you in no. Florida? What beach no. was it? What beach? In case people really want to get pregnant, what beach Saint they go to? St. Augustine. St. Augustine. Augustine. For a wedding. They really should sponsor your pregnancy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and of course, of course, my like family did the math and they were like, you got pregnant Jillian's wedding, didn't you? And I was like, yes, we did. Love just horns people up. Uh, well, we had just seen a downtown Downton Abbey uh, <laughs> exhibition, and we were raring to go. <laughs> they did. They did oh, have wow. that. They did have that exhibition. It's coming to New York. We actually saw. <laughs> if you want to check it out, uh, I'm good. You know what? Like I said, I haven't had the calling to be a <laughs> okay. mother yet, so well, I don't need to go look at those. I don't old want to bustles. put pressure on you or Ian, but <laughs> if you're thinking at all about it, check out this Downton Abbey we'll exhibition. See. Um, okay, so the next question they addressed was, does it really matter if you do it at the right time of the month? And yes, pretty much it does. The single biggest factor that can make a difference for most couples is making sure to have sex in the two to three days just before a woman ovulates. Laura, I know you had your app. You were on it. Dude, I, Angela, I was crazy. I had the watch. This I had a watch that like tracks my temperature. I had the app, which you put in all your like vital signs and track your period. I was peeing on the sticks. I was doing every method possible. Seeing like the... And it was, I don't even know if it worked. Yeah, I mean, it was... But they would all tell me different things. It was all... I was getting very confused. It's crazy. And like seeing the period math that goes into all of this, I also really sympathize with women that are teachers because I have a bunch of friends that are teachers and like you have to schedule your pregnancy so that it hits so that like you can have summer and oh, wow. 
yeah. your pregnancy leave. So oh, that's like, smart. there's that literally like smart. one day a year you can get pregnant. Wow. <laughs> and if you I, miss it, you got to wait a year. I know that Laura, because I, she, I think you had multiple apps. And I know that like when we first went in, even the doctors, like you had all the information, but they had a hard time like pinning down the dates and there was like some debate over what it was. And so yeah. it's, a, I, I, I can't. Well, because if your cycles are different, times like that can affect like if because yeah. they ask you like how how many days is your cycle usually and if it's not 28 days and my cycle was all over the place like the shortest it was 24 days one time it was 32 days so it was like i don't know you know it was kind of hard to figure all these apps out but but the apps i would say in the end they're they're helpful they give you at least a window and it was like at the end i was like all right let's just have sex is like two week window <laughs> because i can't figure out which day it is so, wow. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> so, okay. When you guys got pregnant, did you pee after you had sex? Well, yes. I would actually wait a little longer because I I have like had a high risk for, for UTIs. Right. So, I'm so paranoid. And, and everybody should. You're supposed to pee right before sex, right? To like get rid of any bacteria. And you're supposed to pee right after sex to get rid of any bacteria that got like pushed in there. That's what I I've always heard. I did not learn this for years. <laughs> I, I wish girls had been around because they talk about it a lot on the show. Girls they about do. peeing after sex, and I was like, "Why didn't I have this show before I became sexually active?" It, but Angela, you asked that question loaded. Like, was that not the right thing to do? Well, apparently, a lot of people are like curious. Like, should I? Should I not? So they, they say, probably want to wait to keep the sperm in. Which right. what do they say to do? Cosmo says, and or I should say, the doctors that Cosmo interviewed say, "Go ahead and pee." They said that peeing after sex has no effect on your chances of getting pregnant. Okay. This is because immediately after ejaculation, about 65% of sperm have already traveled up to the cervix or down to the cervix if you're going from behind, um, <laughs> I guess. Um, the remaining 35% will remain in the vagina and eventually fall out sometime in the next few minutes or hours. So by the time you pee, the fastest swimmers already made their way to the cervix and the ones that fall out when you pee were going to fall out anyway. See, that's why it's bullshit to stick your legs up because then, like, what's the point? The sperm's supposedly already there. But, yeah, I think, like, you know, when you pee, like, some little sperm, it, like, falls out. You know, like, it you know, it think, falls out in the toilet. We're all the fastest swimmers. All, everyone alive was the fastest swimmer amongst billions. That's why we should really all be operating at a higher level than we <laughs> are. <laughs> I guess that's true. Um, yeah, the, uh, um, see, I'm on the reverse end here. I'm thinking of this as like, gee, if I pee after sex, that's really not helping me not get pregnant. Damn. Um, not that I thought it would, but sometimes it just feels good. You're like, okay, I'm peeing you're like, it out. It's you're, out. You're no, getting, and you're like, look in the toilet and, we you're, good. Like, and you're like, oh, all of the, all, um, all the semen is in the toilet. It's not in my vagina. This is great. Right. right. Cool. Pee baby. Uh, you see the loogie in the dawn. Sorry, sorry. No, no, that's good. That's that's very descriptive. <laughs> um, so they say, does it help to stay in a certain position after? Which, see, these are all things I never thought about. So what do you just like keep your butt in the air and like keep the sperm <laughs> inside These stupid you? books were like, you, they, they were like, you know, put your legs up in the air for, yeah, like 15 minutes after. So what? you did that? Um, so I felt like weird doing it in front of Nick because I felt like it took the like, <laughs> sexy part out of sex you know to be like it would feel like oh we just had sex just for this but i would kind of see like you know 
when he would go to the bathroom, I'd stick my legs up really quick when he couldn't see. Let it marinate. Well, I didn't want him to think it was just like that. I was like, you know, only having sex to get pregnant because it was like we just had this like hot moment. And then I like throw my legs up in the air. Feel, it felt weird. So I would like wait till he'd walk away. And then I would like immediately throw my legs up in the air. Yeah, I don't, and I'd I, stick a pillow under uh, my back. It was unnecessary. I mean, I, I think that like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I think it was very clear that the goal was pregnancy. I mean, we talked a lot about it. I know. I still don't want to ruin the mood. Right. I was in my lingerie, you know. Sure. Oh, good for but you, it wasn't, you sure, tried. But it wasn't just for me. Let's, I, I, I thank you, but also I didn't, I don't know. I knew what we were trying to do. Yeah. But you still got to, I still wanted the mood to be nice for, for everyone involved. Everyone right. involved. Right yeah. There. That was considerate of you. Well, they say you do not have to do that thing where you lift your legs up for 20 minutes <laughs> after. Cool to know now. So it's cool. Because you only have heartedly <laughs> tried. Um, the sperm will sw- swim up to the uterus regardless of what position you're in after sex. Old myths about lifting up your legs on a wall or lying down after sex have no impact. That does sound like something that would like get circulated in the 50s, like some old wives tale. Like, was, do a handstand. What was weird was like <laughs> there, should, there should be an update. Like you should have to twerk, you know, like and then yeah. it's like it's a vibration yeah. helps. I feel like something. then it would you would be knocking it out. Knocking it would be out. the same no. as peeing. No, it's it's helping it shake its way into the over. Or well, what also got egg. in my head was like the couple times I had tried IUI where they like inject the sperm into you. I think I did that like right after Nick was in Miami. Yeah, now I remember. I did that right after he was in Miami when I thought he was like a Zika person, <laughs> and then and then like maybe once after the miscarriage and both times what they do is they have you like on the table and then they kind of like tilt your pelvis and they have you lay there for 20 minutes so i'm like okay if i'm at a doc fertility doctor's office who's having me lay here for 20 minutes i should probably do that after sex too but now why right (laughs) it's a similar thing they also said some people prop a pillow under their backs yeah i did that it doesn't yeah they said it's a loving gesture but it doesn't really do anything cool um finally does it help uh to have him save up his sperm this is a lot of debate that i hear from my friends trying to get pregnant like should you and in the books and i feel like every book says something different some are like have sex every single day and then some are like no every other day and i remember when nick went to donate a sperm they told him like not to masturbate or have sex for like two to three days before because you want to like save it up so if a doctor is telling you to like save it up to donate your or not donate your sperm but like you know give it for vials i would think that the same logic would you would want when you're trying to have sex right yeah right i just keep going off of like doctor these things doctors are telling you to do and applying it into like everyday life but there's the reverse logic of like you want the fastest swimmers you don't want the people who've been sitting around like warming (laughs) up you know like they're tired that that matters hey Nick, I feel like this. Do you just like overthink every time you like want to masturbate? Like, I th- that might be an intimate question, but like, I feel like I would be like, I just, you know what, I I don't want to. Uh, oh, you mean <laughs> in preparation for pregnancy? No, because I think that I think that by the time, if you've struggled at all to get pregnant, you've heard every competing theory about what works and what doesn't work, and everyone's told you they're like weird. I my. Uh, I guess I'll mention my sister. Her husband was drinking 
cough syrup to oh, help right. speed up the oh. like the fluid viscosity or like to I read I read that on a message of, board. I so, didn't have so Nick you just do like that, always though. in your head about this stuff. No, because I think that Nick's it, good at being yeah, chill. I think I'm I, clearly not because I, I did thirty <laughs> things. I, I think everyone's <laughs> always lying to me, so I don't I don't like believe any any of it, and I just think like since humanity has existed they figured out how to get pregnant but then for some people they can't and and you definitely worry like oh are am i in that category are we not able to but no i think none of it it doesn't stick to me because i just don't buy it you know and nick nick was so chill throughout the whole process and like went along with everything so i i was like very or at least you know i tried to be conscious not to not i i was doing all these things for me you know and i was going to acupuncture i was doing the cranial psychotherapy i was eating all these foods i i tried to not put it on him you know but there were things that these books would say you know drink you know don't drink uh don't i I, and i would kind of try to mention to him like hey they kind of say you know you shouldn't take like super hot showers and so i would like Hmm. always like turn it down because you don't want to heat up the sperm and they told him to do that before he had to like donate too so things like that, I'd be like, I'd be like, remember, don't take those hot showers because I really want to get pregnant this month. But I, but I didn't ask him like, hey, don't masturbate, or I didn't tell him like, don't masturbate and don't drink. You know, like if he wanted to have a beer with a friend, I was, I wasn't like trying to drug him with cough syrup. You know, I didn't like put, I tried not to put my anxieties on him. I tried right. to just put them on myself. Well, it's cool that now you're free to like drink and take as many hot showers as you want. You the hard part's over. Oh yeah, <laughs> for you. Sure. Man, being a woman's hard. Yeah. Um, but so does it help to save up the sperm? This is what they said. His sperm doesn't get better with age like a fine wine. So have at it. Have sex more often. Many couples believe they should save up the man's sperm until the most fertile day of the woman's cycle. But in reality, the complete opposite is true. This is especially, I know, all that for nothing. This is especially helpful if you're not quite sure exactly when you're ovulating. If you wait till you think you're ovulating and you're wrong, you can miss your most fertile window. Do they say why? They say, they well, rec- that's why. No, this this oh, they're saying just that. So, wait, so it, they're yeah. not it saying has nothing to do with the sperm. Well, they're not saying. I mean, saving up your sperm. They're not saying that that doesn't work. They're just saying that it sounds like having sex more often outweighs the benefits. This is what I'm reading. Like having sex yeah. more often outweighs the benefits of saving up your sperm. Because if you miss your fertile day, you could have like the most sperm, the most saved up, like got it, like junk in there but if it's like not when you're ovulating it, it doesn't matter i uh non-scientific theory the new guys are the fastest swimmers <laughs> that's my Either i way. enter that into science and i challenge someone to research it well these doctors recommend three to four times a week so got it get it on get it on yeah um and that's those are all the pregnancy fun facts i have thank you for sharing of course <laughs> Laura, what have you been reading about? I've been reading my own article. Oh. Guys, I wrote an article in a cool website called Pure Wow. And it's called, it's about hatchlorettes. Hatchlorettes are baby showers for people who hate baby showers. So here's the thing, guys. This was also, you know, because I I felt weird about having like a, a baby shower. I think also because I was like high risk. I just couldn't make a decision early on. And it's also in the Jewish religion, which I'm not very religious, but there's like traditionally 
superstition where you shouldn't have baby showers and you really shouldn't buy stuff for the baby till the baby's there, which in practicality is not going to happen. I am not, I'm being very confusing with my logic and rules when it comes to this pregnancy because I, I, I wanted to do a baby moon and I didn't want to do baby showers, but I did want to do something that, that I came up with called a hatchlorette. And Angela kind of was there for the inspiration of the name. For the hatching of the idea of the Hatchelorette. I was telling Angela about my idea about how I wanted to do basically like a bachelorette party with my friends, but for having a baby. And she's like, well, Laura, you need a, a good, na- you know, good name. I was like, I know you're really good with names. She's like, well, what rhymes with bachelorette? And I look at her and I go, a Hatchelorette. <laughs> Bachelorette plus hatching a baby equals Hatchelorette. So I'm going to read you guys my article. Thank you. Please do. All right, guys. Baby showers. It's the event. Friends look forward to for months, counting down the days till they can sit in a circle, totally boozeless, and watch a mama to be open onesies and breast pumps for hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're not always thrilling. Nope. Nope. Not. That is not true. (laughs) Nobody looks forward to... I would like to know who looks forward to baby showers. Although sometimes they're not boostless and that helps. Yeah, that does help. <laughs> but uh, anyways, when I got pregnant, I had spent years listening to my friends kind of complain about going yeah. to baby showers because no one's like super excited. They're excited for the friend, you know, but it's like not that fun to just sit and watch someone open gifts. It's kind of like people like bachelorette parties, but like, but the the bridal luncheon is not... Right, like the bridal shower. The bridal shower. Any kind of shower. Showers are just like not that fun. I really wanted to do something that was fun. I I, I just want to do something that people look forward to. Even for my bachelorette party, I was like, I want to do, I did, you know, we went to Nicaragua. It was like a big thing because I I wanted to do a vacation people actually look forward to. I didn't want it to just be like just about me. I want to do something where people would go on this trip no matter what. And so then that's why I came up with. The batch, the hatchlorette idea. So a hatchlorette has all the makings of a bonding pre-wedding bachelorette, but you're instead of tequila shots and penis straws and strippers, you're subbing that out for yoga, a braid bar, and a private chef. Because here's the thing. There's a lot of talk about going on a baby moon when you're pregnant so you can bond with your partner before your life gets upended by a beautiful new family member. But I would like to know why there's not as much talk about... Bonding with your community of women and your girlfriends who you're also going to get much less one-on-one time with after you pop out a newborn, but you're going to need the support of those women more than ever, right? Yeah. I mean, the dynamic is definitely going to change. Yeah. So that's why I think just as you have a baby moon, you also need to have a hatchlorette and you need to bond with your chicas. So you want me to tell you about my hatchlorette? Yeah. Okay. So my hatchlorette, I rented a house in Malibu and... We're going to be going to, we're going to have like a a private chef come, private yoga instructor. We're doing a braid bar. We're going to be hanging out by the pool. And we are going to do some like cheesy kind of like baby shower games that that my friends are cooking up. Yeah, you got to do a little bit of that. A little bit of that. But, and, and I told them that they can bring wine and champagne. They can drink. I don't get like, I don't get like weird when people drink around me. It's Mm -hmm. not like, you know, and, um, and we're going to, we're going to bond and it's going to be like a bachelorette party. But uh, but a hatchlorette party. And it's open to like moms and non-moms, right? It's right. Like all your girls. All my girls. I have a couple girlfriends coming that are moms. And I told them babies are, of course, welcome at the hatch. I also very much support men going on hatchler parties. 
Oh. Like my friend Whitney, her husband Abe is basically going on a bachelor party. He hasn't called it that. He should. But he's going on like a big trip with his boys before the baby comes because, you know, you're not going to be able to do that for a while. So I think I've heard of Huggies and Chuggies parties. Never. What is that? That's apparently uh, I think it's maybe more popular in the Midwest. And it's like, yeah, like a dude party. It's like a dude shower. And uh, guys bring beer. And then like every guy is supposed to bring diapers for a different like month of your child's age. So you have like diapers. You're like set with diapers for the first year or something. Huggies and chuggies. That's that's amazing. Yeah. That's very fun. I mean, I don't Nick, think are you going to do a hatchler party. Yeah. But are you going to do a hatchler or a huggies uh, and chuggies party? I, I'm not going to do those things, <laughs> but I'm glad that you are. Yeah, you've been very supportive at, of yeah, my hatchlorette. I, I'm going on an actual bachelor party while you're at your hatchlorette. Not mine, obviously. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, while you're there, I'll be bacheloring it up. While you're while you're doing keg keggers. Yeah, keg stands. Keg stands. Oh, man, I'm gonna be lounging by the pool, watching a chick flick movie, doing a round of baby shower games in my Airbnb mm. that I rented. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for my my hatchlorette party. So this is a trend piece that I wrote. I hope it goes viral. I hope everyone listening to the podcast starts going on hatchlorette and hatchler parties because I don't know why this is not a thing yet. I know. I think that girls think that they're going to be like tired or something from being pregnant, but you just make it like relaxing. Yeah. You can plan whatever hatchlorette party you want. Yeah, exactly. You get it. You're on board. I'm on board. I will have, maybe I will have a hatchlorette. We'll see. You'll see. If I have a little chick. All right. We are about to jump into the mailbox to answer your listener questions. But first, let's take a quick break to thank some of our sponsors. We would like to thank our sponsor, Mod Cloth. Mod Cloth is the fun, friendly spot for style that's as expressive and as unique as you. You know what? I found out about Mod Cloth before they were a sponsor from Angela because it's been your go-to store for a long time. Yeah, I cannot tell you guys how excited I was when I got the email. I know a lot of other podcasts were getting like Mod Cloth as sponsors, and I was like, why not us? <laughs> and now we have it. Now it's ours. And I'm so happy because... It's been my saving grace for like every wedding I've gone to. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a cute dress from Mod Cloth. Uh, you've sent me links to your Mod Cloth dresses before. I've been like, which one should I get? Yes. And I have a great bathing suit that I get so many compliments on. Uh, it has cats on it. It's They're like so cats cute. in outer space. Is that the one you wore when we went to California that one time we went to Venice Beach? Possibly. Maybe. I think so. Um, it has. It's my favorite kind of bottom because it's like a high-waisted bikini bottom they because they, in they another do a lot of, like life, retro styles in another life andrew angela was like a retro pinup tattooed chick because she's like Thanks. secretly really into like retro clothes and they have a lot of like fun funky stuff on mod cloth well you and i just bought some funky stuff oh my god i'm obsessed i got this yellow raincoat that has striped inner lining i was so obsessed with the raincoat that i wanted to get i, I found a similar one for a baby for my upcoming little baby boy that I bought one and then I showed it to Nick. I was like, look, I got matching. I got a matching raincoat. For, I got a matching raincoat. I got one from Mogloth. I, I found one for the baby. And then I see Nick. He's like, let me see your computer. I was like, oh, are you going to look for one for you? And he Googles doggy yellow raincoat. <laughs> so then we bought one off of Etsy to match my Mogloth raincoat. And then we recently got Nick one. So now our whole family has raincoats to match the really cool one I got on Mod Club. It all started with Mod Club. And <laughs> I, I got myself uh, like a 70s inspired striped jumpsuit. 
uh, which sounds very David Bowie, but I swear it's it's me. Um, I didn't get a matching one for Ian. <laughs> Maybe there's still time. There's still time, and there's also time to get one for your your non-existent future child and future dog. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, so obviously, I recommend you looking for some styles on Mod Cloth for yourself. The perfect swimsuit that's suited for you, you will find there. You're sure to make a stylish splash. It's also true that wedding season is coming up. So find everything you need in the Mod Cloth Bridal Boutique, whether you're the bride, the bridesmaid, or just a very best dressed guest. If you're looking for the perfect fit, their signature label comes in a full size range from uh Triple extra small to four X. Just two X. I'm sorry, two X. <laughs> triple <laughs> triple extra small. Double extra. <laughs> you might not be able to stand up straight. Also known as extra extra small. <laughs> I don't know. You know why I don't know how to say it? Because it's not my size. <laughs> and it never was. <laughs> but, the, but the best part is they have all sizes. They have 4X and they have XX small. <laughs> oh, you're adorable. <laughs> um, guys, they're hooking it up for 15% off your purchase of $100 or more. Go to modcloth.com. That's M-O-D-C-L-O. O-T-H dot com and enter our promo code SINGLE at checkout. Hurry up. This offer expires April 21st, 2018. So 15% off your purchase of $100 or more. Go to M-O-D-C-L-O-T-H dot com. Modcloth dot com. Enter our promo code SINGLE at checkout. We would like to thank our sponsor, Tomboy X. We love Tomboy X. And guys, regardless of where you fall on the size or the gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody feels comfortable in. I just, I kind of love what they're all about. This is a really cool brand. They want you to feel confident and, and it's like a very welcoming ba- brand. Yeah. The, yeah. The, their whole thing is like stop wearing underwear that doesn't make you feel confident. And it's true. We've all had like you know, underwear that looks good. It's like frilly and it's got the lace and whatever, but it, it hurts. It's like itchy. And you're like, I can't wait to go home and take these off. Yeah. And they have so many things. Yeah. They have bikinis. They have briefs, boxer briefs, trunks and boy shorts, soft bra- bras, racer back bras. And they're all in everyday basic colors, fun seasonal prints and brilliant colors. All options come in extra small to 4X. Yeah. It's so great. I am really into their essential soft bra. I got this one that has like rainbows at the bottom and it says Tomboy X and it's really cute. And you know, as uh, as my boobs are getting bigger, I, I, I wear like more sports bras just like every day. That's probably going to feel so good on your gigantic boobies. <laughs> but they do. They have really cool prints. Like you picked this daisy print for your boxer yeah. briefs. And I got I'm boy. They're boy shorts. They're boy, they're boy shorts. shorts. I'm sorry, about that. I, don't, I don't know what they're called. And they're so cute. Yeah, they're daisy print. They're like super soft fabric. Uh, they're eco-friendly. So what more could you ask for? Nothing more. <laughs> and guys, you can get these too. Go to tomboyx.com slash single and check out their special bundles and pack pricing. And this is why your single listeners get an extra 15% off with our code SINGLE. Again, that's code SINGLE for an extra 15% off. Ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to tomboyx.com slash single. All right, Angela, it is time to jump into the mailbox. So first, I need, it's been a big episode about me, and I apologize for that. 
<laughs> but when you get engaged, we're going to do a whole Angela's Engaged episode. Guys, so. I, I, I have updates about my life, too. Uh, I've gotten really into the TV show Trust. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about Brendan Fraser's career can, comeback. Can you tell me what is Trust about? <laughs> oh, it's so good. We could, It's about the John, John Paul Getty kidnapping. Uh, okay, got it. Got uh, it but got the, it, got the, it. the main headline there is that Brendan Fraser's career is back. So, like, I have stuff going on, too. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't wait till we do a whole Angela episode. But before we jump into the mailbox, of Brendan Fraser. The <laughs> of Brendan, no, your your engagement episode when when uh Listen, yeah. you don't have to get engaged to have news. Angela's into the show <laughs> Trust. And let's talk about it. We're gonna do another hour. No, on this is trust. already our three hour podcast. Listen, no, nobody's still listening at this Angela, point. Angela, if you don't cry during this segment, <laughs> He's, I just, he used to be George the Jungle, and now he gained weight, but it's okay. Um, no, it's it's cool. I, I might be getting a domestic partnership soon because like, I, I got wisdom teeth. Listen, so. we, while we were talking to a doctor about our insurance, sorting it out, the person who does the insurance at the doctor's office, as we were like, there was a mistake about our copay or whatever or whatever whatever our premium was and before we don't know the terminology yeah, <laughs> b- before it was rectified before she figured out that she had the wrong information she was saying our insurance was so bad that she was recommending we get separated <laughs> so that laura could go on medicaid uh she was batshit crazy. this was like a straight up recommendation in her professional opinion of what we should do so your domestic partnership to fix your wisdom tooth uh, makes a lot of sense. A lot more it's sense a sign than of being an adult than us happily married couple getting yeah. separated to like yeah. somehow scam insurance. So, anyways, wow. okay. Before we jump in the mailbox, I forgot in the news segment to do my own little self promotion, guys. I have my sketch show coming up, Femme Fairy Tales, at the Upright Citizens Brigade Hell's Kitchen, April sixteenth and April thirtieth. I'm gonna be super pregnant doing the show, and I wear a crop top because I play Princess Jasmine. I also play Ursula, which is great. We don't need to change that costume at all. <laughs> if anything, I'm just gonna look more like Ursula. Uh, I play a prince, and I'm I'm doing my show. We got to run, so we're gonna be doing an April and May, um, but our next dates are April 16th, April 30th at the Upright Citizens Brigade Hell's Kitchen. You can go to femfairytales.com. That's F-E-M-M-E, fairytales.com, and we'll have links to tickets. So hope yep. you see it. Angela's been to two of the shows. I've, I've been twice. I'm a super fan. I might come again. We'll oh see. Oh, my God. I'll put you on the comp list this time. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. We're going to jump into the mailbox. But first, I want to read someone who disagreed with us and then someone who sent us our favorite email ever. So this was an episode where we did that. We did the podcast called Ripping the Band-Aid Off. And she says, this is the first time we we gave advice to somebody about, uh, about splitting the bill. Right. Do you remember she, that? I think he, the guy didn't pay for her. He took her to a fancy restaurant. He picked the restaurant. And he bought a, and he got a more expensive meal. Right. And then she was upset that he didn't pay. And we agreed with her. We were like, yeah, it's messed up. Yeah. And she said that she kind of like offered to pay um, and, you know, and did the whole like half-hearted like, oh, do you want me to split it? And he said yes. And we were like, what? He shouldn't have said yes. And we got an email saying they disagree with us. So I wanted to I want to read this because I like hearing another opinion and it actually changed my perspective. And I I now regret the advice I gave. 
Uh, so she wrote, this is the first time I've disagreed with you guys since I started listening. I think the poor guy who planned the date might have gotten caught off guard when she went for the wallet and went down the rabbit hole of not being sure how to react. I agree with all the reasons you said on why he should pay, but if you want him to pay, don't go for the fake reach. And dating is hard enough without trying to guess what you want when you do the opposite of what you want. I would have sat there politely and offered a sincere thank you for dinner. With that said, I love your podcast. Can't wait to see what's next, Erica. And after reading this, I 100% agree with Erica because, yes, we gave a lot of reasons on why you should have paid. Like if you pick the restaurant and you order them, you know, you should probably pay for the dinner. Um, and but but Erica's right. Like, why do girls do this like fake bullshit reach? And then like and it's like a, it, they're not it's not genuine. And then you expect people to read your mind. Like Erica's right. Just sit there nicely and say thank you. And don't do the whole bullshit fake reach because it's like it's a bad custom we've started to do. But I think it's less of a dating game thing and more of like an etiquette thing. You know, yeah, people. The, the, I would what, love a guy's opinion. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Nick? Uh, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to relate relate to it. It's been a long time since I've been on a date uh, where it wasn't clear that we were paying out of the same bank account. Uh, <laughs> so, but I'm pretty sure I do remember just saying like, thank you. I don't think I did the fake reach. Yeah. And I would offer like to baby pay for movies or drinks. I can't, I can't remember being like a deer in the headlights on the, on the, the fake reach idea has not happened to me in a memory that I have. I did just like haven't had that experience, but I could imagine it because we've had this thing happen with like friends where like a friend will go out with like, a couple and they'll assertively go to pay and we'll, we'll be like straight up mad. We'll be like, no, that's weird. And it makes me uncomfortable. Like I don't want you to pay the whole meal. I, w- I want to split the Can we just four I, friends go out <laughs> and we split the meal on a double date. Yes and no, but it's like gets into the, like the sticky territory of like whose right is this? And, the thing about a date is it does play into a lot of patriarchal expectations of who's doing what and why. So I guess what your listener is saying is that like, it's possible that the guy was like being like, Oh wow. I, I don't want to like make her feel weird that I am just a man and I should be paying, which is very interesting. I also think that like on reflection, like when I think of myself, like I'm like, Oh, I make a, I make the right smooth, confident choice. But in truth, like every date that I was ever on, uh, I think that like everything is awkward. Like it's <laughs> awkward from the jump. Like the the right decisions are always like like later you're like oh if I would have done this it would have been great. So I feel like uh, when someone writes in about like a weird little situation that happened on a date like that, it feels like I don't know, man. Like it could have gone either way. Did you like the person? Like if you did, then you wouldn't really care about this. But if you didn't, it's pretty clear that like this is just another thing that made you mad about them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think we just need to kill the fake reach. Like, I, I can't remember yeah. exactly, but I'm pretty But do you sh- guys think it's 100% like if the if somebody, if a guy plans the date, definitely the guy's going to pay for the date? I mean, for you, it, I can't, I can't be 100% truthful on this or, you know, remember exactly. But for our first date, you asked me out, you emailed me a link and you picked, you made yeah. reservations and picked the place. And it was a really nice place. I don't think I did the fake reach. I'm pretty sure I just said thank you. Yeah. I'm I, pretty I, sure. I'm not. I, I've never not paid for a date with a dinner in my life before meeting you. That's like in my mind. It's like I'm just going to do that. And you're from the Midwest. You're right. a nice guy. But, but I could also see somebody feeling like 
uh, oh, this girl's like a feminist. She like wants to pay or like, yeah, yeah, I'm, but, I'm but, offending but without, her. But without that tone of voice, because I feel like that's that's taking the assumption. Of, that's like saying like, I get to call the shots here. And I yeah. think that, that that is a little bit weird. I guess it it's just if the guy yeah, picks, but, picks an expensive place and gets the steak and she got the chicken, whatever. He should have paid. But I agree with Erica. She, she agreed with all the reasons why he should have paid. But I 100% agree with Erica that like it's, it's also it's just a shitty custom we have to do the fake reach and expect people to read our minds and then we're mad afterwards when we do the fake reach because I have a scenario where I did the fake offer when I went on a date with a guy to like Rockefeller Center and this is like when I was like really struggling to get by paying like a thousand dollar month's loans and we went to Rockefeller Center I think it was like fifty dollars each for tickets or maybe in my head that's what it was maybe it was 25 each and it was 50 total whatever I just remember the amount being so much and and he like kind of went to pay and I was like, oh, I got it. And I meant I've got my ticket, you know, <laughs> and I actually would have been fine with that. Like, let's each buy our tickets to go see the rock. And he was like, oh, thanks. And I paid for both of us. And I think I had paid for like lunch earlier that day because I could like write it off for work because he came to like a work event with me. So I had paid for like a couple things, you know, because he was coming to a lot of work things with me. And I remember just being furious and then he's trying to kiss me on top of the Rockefeller Center and I was just like no you fucker you just made me pay for both of our tickets and now like I'm not gonna be able to get groceries like I was just like wow I, I but so after that I was just like don't do the fake reach even though that wasn't really a fake reach I was right. offering to pay for my own ticket so I, I guess when we're getting equal pay for equal work we can get rid of the assumption that men are paying for dinner but until then <laughs> fellas Pay the check. I guess. All right, Angela, oh what God. else do we have in the mailbox? Um, okay, we have a question um, about ghosting. So first up, this one is from M. She writes, uh, so I was dating this guy for three months who was hit. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hot and cold. I thought it was going to say was, hit and run. He was hit and run. <laughs> <laughs> he was hot and cold. He um, was hit and run. He, so she had a little spelling error, but that's okay. For three months, hot and cold. He was super into me at first, and then he would go hot and cold one day, being all lovey-dovey, then barely hearing from him. Then he makes plans for us to take trips. Then he goes cold again. Then about a week ago, he just completely ghosted me. The problem is... I have his $4,000 camera <laughs> with a lens that's about $2,000. Tell me more about this camera. This is, she's getting into my territory. Nick's really I don't into, know about this. Nick's really into cameras lately. What camera? She doesn't say what kind, but it sounds like a nice I'm one. I'm going to go Canon Mark III. <laughs> um, so he insisted that she borrow it for, uh, for her food photo hobby. <laughs> now she says, I don't know what to do with the camera. I refuse to text him since he was the one that decided to ghost me. I thought of mailing it, but I don't want to risk damaging it or having it lost. <laughs> Should I wait for him to contact me for it? <laughs> I would love to just throw this to Send Nick. Send it to Nick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nick, what do you think? But she oh clearly like has his address. They were like that close. And three months. Is yeah, like, they were around for three, three months. Months is pretty significant, I think, to be ghosting yes. someone is like kind of fucked up. Like, and and the camera thing is interesting because it's like, unless this dude is so loaded with cameras, which means <laughs> he's crushing it, he knows she has this expensive piece of equipment. Like, I, for sure, if he's a camera dude and uh, she's got his gear, that's on his mind. He's he not wants like, it back, right? Well, yes and no, but like. She has it and he's not getting it back. Like it's a weird thing that he's doing. He's it sounds to me like he's a guy who's got a roster, you know? So like 
He's got a lot of he's got a lot of people that he's hitting up, and when she's around and he's feeling it, he's hitting her up, and he just expects that to continue for however long. Yeah, maybe uh, he doesn't consider it ghosting since it's only been a week. She thinks it's ghosting, but I mean, if you text someone like a few times and then it's been like one day, two day, three day, four day, like I would feel ghosted if I was her, I and mean, I just think he's being rude. Even yeah, even if he pops back up, that's still like not cool. Oh, like, yeah, we're done here. No, not saying not saying it's cool. <laughs> just saying it seems like that's that's got to be yeah. his deal. I mean, he doesn't think he's ghosting. He just he's <laughs> he's working deeper into his roster and then he's like coming back i mean i don't know that's not cool you but. don't think he's just so afraid of confrontation that he's like keep the camera on. <laughs> <laughs> no i i like like, like at saying. what point at what point like if she doesn't hear from him in another week another week another week like what does she do with this camera <laughs> I, become a great photographer <laughs> yeah 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 you don't have to reach out to him about the camera though yeah if he doesn't care enough to reach out to you about <laughs> this four thousand camera with a two thousand dollar lens yeah. like i don't know but also don't like sell it and don't damage it because no, that right. would be really embarrassing take great pictures but just take some pictures i would say if it's been i would even go as far as like if you're gonna sell this again you need to wait at least a year yeah you can't sell the camera she could sell it if, no. he, if she if this guy goes her for a year no it'll be a constant you reminder of this bad time in her you life you can't if somebody leaves that like that's like <laughs> that's six thousand right, dollars. All right, all right you you're just right. Sell their property. All right, just all right, indulge fine. your food photo hobby. Then, yeah, just I hold onto the ca- hold onto his stupid camera. Put it in your like ex boyfriend. Yeah, if it really drawer. if it really hurts your feelings, like stuff it away in the closet. I mean, but you know. Yeah, yeah I guess you can't. Oh, I mean, okay, five years you can sell the camera. Yeah, I think five <laughs> years fair. is probably okay. All right, okay, fine. Glad we all agree. Yeah. <laughs> but then I guess I wonder at that point if he wrote if. If it's been like, it, if it's been I, three months, he might have forgot that he's probably like, fuck, what did I do with that camera? No way. Yeah. No think he way. Knows where he I'm left saying it? when you got quality gear, you know where it's at. <laughs> All right. What else do we have in the mailbox? Okay. We have another question about ghosting, a little different spin. This one's from Rachel. Rachel says, long story short, a good friend and I went out with the same guy from Tinder. Not so surprising considering we are both in our late 20s, have similar interests, and live in a rural area with a serious lack of good caliber slash available guys. The problem, he ghosted her. I want to keep seeing him. I know. I don't think she knows I ever went out with him. Do I have to tell her? I almost feel like telling her would jinx it and will have caused trouble for nothing. But I don't want her to find out later and be mad that I was lying to her in the meantime. What do I do? Wait, give me. Sorry. I have space on the first part of that. What happened? Who ghosted who? No. So, okay, two friends went out with a guy. Yes. The, the guy, it's a rural town. Yes. yes. The guy <laughs> ghosted one of the friends, yeah. and the guy did not ghost the other friend. Uh, but the other friend that did not get ghosted didn't tell her friend that she was going out with the guy that had ghosted her friend. It, did it say when they met? Like, did he meet before, after? Where are we on timelines? Well, the, the one say. got ghosted first. Got ghosted first, and then she went out with him afterwards. And then, and then her friend was like, oh, "I'm gonna try this guy," yeah, Ooh. and didn't tell her friend. But now she she wants to keep seeing this right. guy. But it's a rural area, right? So there's not a lot of options, right? I mean, she could she maybe. She, well, I mean, I'm sure if they're close friends, like she probably showed him a lot of pictures. It's not like she can pretend like I went out with the guy. I didn't realize till later that it was the same guy you had gone out with. Like, 
I don't know. You could play the kind of dumb card, you know? But, but isn't this just like the rural dating problem? Meaning if there's like a small field. I mean, you tell me. I grew up in like wow. Orange County, LA. You grew up in like a small town in Ohio. Well, yeah. Tell us what it's like. Like sure. Angela and I are city chicks. Fine. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I went to like high school and I wasn't like, you don't really, at least where I'm from, you, and being a tiny small kind of loser you don't really date it's like there's like one or two people kind of in your vicinity that like may talk to you and then outside of that you're like ah you're like you're scared it's weird nick had a gross spurt late in life yeah. he got hot really late in life sure which is great for me only the best people do <laughs> yeah uh, yeah because he he uh i guess i'm saying i never still has low self-esteem yeah, like laney bog extremely, <laughs> extremely low self-esteem so yeah he's like secret hot which is just the kind of guy you want to look for awesome not acknowledging any of these weird compliments <laughs> but uh uh i don't so i don't actually know what it's like to date in a small town and I, I imagine it is challenging i do know what it's like to date in like a small pool of like 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 i art school was like this and also i mean I, high school was like this to a lesser extent too it's the same group of people feel like well these are the people we know so here's who we're gonna date and when someone breaks up that person's up that for person's, dips. Yeah, that person's friend starts dating that person because that's who you know. And it's weird and it's uncomfortable and everyone gets mad. But it also just seems like unless you're living in an environment where there is a, several dating pools of people roughly the same age, that just seems like what's going to happen. And so you could be mad about it or you could do it. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's... I think that she should do whatever she wants but I do think she should communicate with her friend because yeah. if it does work out and then, you know, it's going to be awkward down the line if it works out. And she's like, so by the way, this has been going on for however long. Like, I guess she just months. needs like a good origin story then, right? Like, <laughs> No, also- don't come up with a lie. But she's worried. She's saying like, I sh- if I tell my friend, she's going to like drink the relationship and like the friend will be mad at me for nothing if it doesn't work out. But like, I, I think that that you're just like, yeah. hoping for the worst in the relationship which won't get you off to a good start there i would just like tell the friend be like hey i feel really stupid and bad about this uh, but like i went out with that guy that ghosted you and like i didn't really realize it at first and by the time he was like asking me out you know you can throw in a little fib like i didn't completely realize it was the same guy but then once i did we already had the date planned or whatever um but anyways like is that okay with you and maybe just like see what she says because like if she says no, then you have to like kind of question like, well, why is your friend being a dick? You know, yeah. I mean, she's probably going to be like, I feel weird about it. Like it might take her a second to process. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, just tell her, just tell her yeah, and because, ultimately do what you want. Right. But, like well, you want your friend to feel like she's being heard at least. Totally. Yes. Let your friend be heard. Be like, I just wanted to know how, maybe leave it more open-ended instead of like, is that okay? Because don't ask permission. I take that back. Maybe say like, I just want to know how you feel about this. Yeah, like I just want to make sure you're okay. And if you're not, how can I make you feel okay with this? Ooh, that's great. All right, let's keep that. Boom, Boom. chicka, boom. Um, Oh, and you know what? I also, Rachel also had a PS on her email that I wanted to read because it made me really happy. Um, We've actually gotten a ton of great responses from our Aziz episode like the the episode about consent um which was which was titled uh I don't owe you or something about owing yeah <laughs> <laughs> our very important episode whatever it was called <laughs> but it wasn't um, it was just so people are like looking for it it's not it wasn't called like the Aziz our episode was called I don't owe you um yes 
And it was really tricky. It's a tricky conversation to navigate. So we were nervous about we doing that episode. Super nervous. So we're really happy with uh, the great. We've only gotten positive responses except for one man on Twitter who didn't even listen to the episode and just tweeted at us saying, uh, Aziz didn't do anything wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> very valid opinion, sir. <laughs> and his Twitter uh, handle was Zinzi's and Zary. Um, you know very what? suspicious. Here's what I will say. His bio said feminist. Uh-huh, <laughs> so uh-huh. watch out for Weird that. in the bio line, um, But so Rachel said, P.S. I was just recently catching up on some episodes and listened to the one on Aziz and Sorry. I had a lot of thoughts about that one for sure. It was so nice to hear you ladies say you never owe anyone anything it would have meant a lot to me if i had heard that in college but it doesn't hurt to hear it now so thank you it would have meant a lot to me to hear it in college it took me way (laughs) too long to figure that out um but yeah thank you everybody for the response on that episode and on all of our episodes we love hearing your feedback good or bad and if you disagree on our advice we love to hear that too and uh, sometimes it will change our opinion as it did as it did mine on the the paying for the bill. Uh, if you guys want your listener questions answered, or if you have any funny text messages from an app you want to share, you can email us at contact at this is why your single show.com. You can also find all of our contact info on our website at this is why your single show.com guys. If you stuck around for the whole episode, uh, claps, claps around to you. We are in the final segment because it is time for our reason of the week. This week's reason is Laura is pregnant. That's the reason. That's not the reason she's single, of course. Let's <laughs> uh, like what we decided to call the episode, so you would know what we talk about. We just right. decided to make it very clear. <laughs> the reason you're single is because Laura is pregnant. <laughs> it's a weird episode weird. title, but yeah. you know, um, but universal. Um, so I have a bunch of questions for you, Laura. Yes. Now that we got through all of the 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 good and the and the really hard stuff at the top of the podcast let's get into the fun stuff the <laughs> now that I've, I've already cried it out i'm ready to answer any of your questions well, broad city style <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we've already talked a lot about your sex life which was really fun um but what like what about once you get pregnant and you're having sex yeah. like are you in the mood? And I feel like I would be like, don't touch me. Like I think about when I like eat a lot of food and I'm like stuffed and I just feel like that's what being pregnant feels like all the time. Yeah. it's. <laughs> I actually didn't know how I was going to feel. I was really curious to know how I was going to feel. It's different because after I eat a lot of food and I feel like I have like a burrito baby. Right. I also don't really feel in the mood. Like I felt, I always feel good. Like when I have like, I'm like yoga tummy, I call it, is like when you can like see my abs and I like feeling hot. But like being pregnant's awesome because like you can push the bur- like I have a baby and I could have a burrito baby underneath it <laughs> and like and you're like a llama you have four stomachs and like I could just like push the burrito baby underneath the baby and like but like the bell the belly is already supposed to be there so it doesn't affect my confidence at all and and like I love it it kind of depends on the day some days I feel more sexy uh, than others but like Nick and I just got back from our baby moon I brought some lingerie there and I felt like I don't know i I tried on this lingerie that I tried on like this like white lace thong that I had worn on our honeymoon with like my boobs are now like a 32 D whereas they were a very small B before. So I had to buy like a bigger bra cause the one it didn't fit. Um, and I think I was even smaller at our, our wedding cause I was like tone as shit. Right. But anyways, I felt like, 
really i looked in the mirror and i was like this looks ridiculous because <laughs> i just had like a big belly with like this lacy and then nick came out and i was like i look stupid on he's like oh you look so sexy and then that like Aww. all of a sudden just like boosted my confidence and we went at it <laughs> but uh i think like like nick it's funny like i thought i i've learned that like nick's not a boob guy because i've been like I've been talking about my boobs a lot and giving constant updates on my boobs. Like, look how big they are. Do you want to feel them? Like, like for the first time I have D boobs my whole life. I've had like, you have like Dolly Parton. I've boobs. had like A or B boobs. Yeah. I have D boobs for the first time in my life. And my husband could not give a shit less. <laughs> I think he's just more of a butt guy. Right. Uh, or is that not a thing? How's her butt doing? Has it changed? I think all same? this conversation, it's just, it's, it's not how he thinks about women no, or humans. Well, I I think about I understand what fantasizing about anatomy is, but in talking about that with the person that I care the most about, I feel those wires don't make sense to me. I also like hearing you talk about your body that way feels weird to me. Yeah, he keeps saying I'm objectifying myself, yeah. but but I think I do it in like a funny way that maybe sounds like I'm objectifying myself. I'm like, oh, feel my boobs are so big, but it honestly it doesn't. It comes from a place more of fascination with the changes that my body's going through. And it's just so weird to look in the mirror and, and like, you know, basically wake up one day and within like a couple of weeks, like you're, you look so different and your boobs are big. I I now feel like the guy who's person whose date was fake reaching for the wallet. I don't know how to react (laughs) when she says, don't my boobs look great because, because it, it makes me go like, they looked great before and what are why I, I guess why I'm more, I say they look great now are you worried I, if you say they look great now that when they don't look like that she's gonna be like do they not look great now i'm not worried about that but it's just that we're evaluating them on size as though that has something to do with their attractiveness think, and no, that's I think like I, a weird path to wander down I guess I joke about the size in terms of it being like awesome and sexy, but but really, so I, it you comes, don't look like you're joking. No, you, <laughs> you well, just so you know, it just comes from a place more of like wanting my like best friend and partner to participate in the fascination with the changes that my body's going through. <laughs> okay, in terms of like, it's very like look at this belt, like it's crazy, and look at these boots. It's just a weird experience for me, and I'm not gonna be doing that with like one of my girlfriends like feel my boobs like so like i want to do that with you because i'm i'm feeling them and i'm like whoa they're crazy like do you want to feel them like feel them they're different and it's more of like a fascination thing than okay. i don't know right anyways but he in terms of feeling sexy it does i guess like my d's don't aren't doing anything for my partner but, but he, you feel sexy yeah i do not because of the boobs i guess but i feel sexy because like nick is still like like attracted to me and like wants me and i've been meeting other mommy friends and stuff and like one girl was like my husband just like says i like you know he won't have sex with me like he doesn't want to hurt the baby and he looks so motherly and i in my books i've read that some guys go through that where they just feel weird they like don't want to hurt the baby and then i have another friend who is like the polar opposite who was like she's british and he's like he's so into my curves he loves it we like bone every day (laughs) and and like i feel like we're like somewhere like right in the middle you know Mm -hmm. just like things have kind of stayed the same and uh and i feel really good about that i would probably feel weird if like 
he was like obsessed with like, oh, your fucking tummy, you know, or or if he was really turned your boobs off. Boobs look awesome right now, babe. Let's go at yeah. it. You're while, like a D. while you're giving birth. Hey, you see my you see my babe's D's? It's fucking awesome. Sometimes I think that's how you talk in my I, head. That's how I Laura know. wants you I to be. I know it is because every time she does an impression of me, it's like the jock from a bad nineties movie. It is. I feel bad. Yeah. Sorry, but um, yeah, I think I. Yeah, it, it depends. <laughs> um, has it affected your sex drive? Uh, okay, so I... Nick, same question. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's like this, the same, the same, maybe. Like, it's hard because, like, those three months before I got pregnant was like that. I was just fo- so focused on trying to have a... Trying to get pregnant, you know? And, and I was, like, depressed. And your sex drive kind of goes down when you're depressed. But... But also I've I've read a lot and when you're pregnant, you have 30% more blood volume, I guess. And that also increases the blood to your pelvic region and it can make your orgasms a lot different. I haven't noticed like a huge change, but some people say the orgasms are like a lot more intense or they can happen quicker. For other women, I guess they, they have troubles. It can go either way. I've felt, if anything, like they're probably closer to the same and maybe a little quicker, I would say. Um, but but it was just like made me like a little bit more aware of maybe how. But yeah, I, I still get like turned on and and maybe a little more than than I than I did before. I probably like yeah want to have sex or get turned on a little more because there's a lot of blood going down to that region. And I've heard, is this true that like it's actually good for you as a pregnant person to have sex because it kind of like loosens up your muscles oh maybe i don't know i haven't read that i mean when you when you have an orgasm it contracts the uterus which i was like a little nervous about because i'm at risk for premature delivery but i've talked to my doctor and i've like asked them all the questions and and i was like you know also they say like later on in pregnancy like like it can semen can loosen the the cervix i guess but that's like when you're going into labor. So I even was talking to the doctor today about it. I was like, should we be using condoms? Like, should I not be having like semen? And he was like, nope. Like only, you know, if you're like going into labor, it might help, but don't worry about that. Like have as much fun as you want (laughs) is what the doctor told me. But, but some women, after they have an orgasm, they can like feel cramping, which can like scare them a little bit because your uterus contracts, but it's supposedly completely safe for the baby to have orgasms and, and um, you need to have orgasms while you have the baby in you. In you. Well, you're contracting <laughs> the uterus and the baby's in the uterus. So like, no, I don't know. No, she means for the baby to have orgasms. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I see how that little word <laughs> it was a little different. Um, but uh, but yeah, when you, you've got all these hormones also, which can play a role. Um, I was reading that, especially with oxytocin, I guess, produced later in pregnancy and after birth. Many, it said many women report amped up orgasms through the breastfeeding phase too, which makes sense to me. I, I've, I've like felt like, like a little more turned on lately, I guess. So, oh. so if anything for me, it's gone the good way and not the like, <laughs> you know, yeah, and not the other way. <laughs> that's amazing. That's not what I would expect. So that's good to know. More blood going down One there. more point in the pro pregnancy column (laughs) yeah exactly um so do you have stress dreams about giving birth because i hear people's birth stories and i have stress dreams about it so like what are your (laughs) dreams like what (laughs) what's going on in your head um i guess i i've always had really intense colorful dreams 
like very very vivid dreams i've had like a couple sex dreams lately but no oh. but no fearful no fearful stress dreams about giving birth i mean they're they like weird sex dreams no just like normal ones were they with nick uh yeah kind of yeah <laughs> what <laughs> what i feel compelled to do the whole episode as, as, as 90s jock babe bed. Are you- were you already cheating on me in your head <laughs> with those d's you're letting some other guy fondle those d's <laughs> they were it wasn't like it no, was, I, 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 I swear i had normal size breaths in my dreams it was fine no, it wasn't like that no yes <laughs> one was with Nick. One was with someone I had a crush on for like one week when I was fifteen. What's his so name? So that was very <laughs> What's weird. What's his name? That one was just weird and freaked me out. No, I'm not kidding. What's his name? <laughs> I don't even um. remember his last name. And it was when we were adults, but like, like it was like us, but later as adults. And I was like, what? I haven't thought about that person in fifteen years. So I don't know. Your my brain is doing weird mm. shit right now. Sometimes sex dreams, I, I I think I heard just mean that you miss the person, not even that you feel. Uh, sexual towards them so like if you have a sexual about a friend hey, no Angela. i don't miss this person he was not even that nice angela who hurt you <laughs> i just have sex dreams about my friends <laughs> all the time um no well that's interesting yeah that's- no stressing over i mean i have like other like not fear but like other things about birth like i have a higher risk of having a c-section because the baby has less room to turn around so if the baby's breached he might not be able to turn around so i'm like doing everything i can to like keep the, the baby's heads down right now i can't do much right now but but closer to i would do like inversions and like chiropractor and acupuncture and every like woo wooey thing i can think of to try to have a natural birth because i would love to have one so i ask a lot of questions and like kind of have a lot of i would say i have like sometimes anxieties that i try to try to not my best not to have because I can't really help them you know um but I I hope my birth goes smoothly because yeah I've also talked to friends that have had really stressful and like crazy births that can be traumatic for the mom and the baby and I don't you know I hope that doesn't happen but then there are some women who are like birth is like orgasmic which I know fuck that sounds fucking insane yeah but you know, it could happen. If it was going to happen to anyone, I do feel like it could be you. Really? Oh, that means yeah. so much. I'm really hoping. Like, I want to do the no drug, like no epidural. But I it, maybe if it's like a pain, I just truly have can't even remotely comprehend. Like, I might change my mind. I just don't know. You know, it's so much is unknown. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know when it's going to happen. I hope I make it all the way to 40 weeks in full term. Uh, but... There's just a lot up in the air. So I'm trying my best to be chill and calm, but I do have a lot of anxieties. They have not surfaced in my dreams yet, though. Okay. TBD. Um, what, um, like, your body is changing, obviously. What change has surprised you the most? I get bloody noses. What? Apparently, this is a pregnancy symptom that not a lot of people get because I, a lot, not a lot of people I've talked to have had this and they seem surprised when I mention it. But, I have had the easiest pregnancy. Like I feel amazing. Sure. I get, yes, I could complain about every little thing. Like, sure. I get like a little more tired and I have to take a lot of naps and, and, uh, sometimes my back will hurt a little bit, but it's, it's all been so manageable. I've just been like chilling and just like going with the flow and like not working out if I'm too tired and trying to work out four or five days a week and doing like 
prenatal yoga and prenatal Pilates and like being easy on my body and all that stuff. But the bloody noses, I wake up with bloody noses every morning. The only time I didn't wake up with bloody noses is when we were in Hawaii. It was like a gift from the Hawaiian gods. Being by the beaches again. (laughs) Those goddamn beaches. But for 10 days when we were in Hawaii, I did not have one bloody nose. But the rest of my pregnancy and I've, I have, I wake up with bloody noses and I, I've, thank God I thought, you know, you would think I was, I was, thought I was dying at first. Yeah. That feels very like Rosemary's baby. Like <laughs> I know, but, uh, I, I read in my book that something with the hormones, you just have a lot more fluids and like your blood, you know, you got 30% more blood volume, uh, for some people, <laughs> me, someone who really never got blood nose, bl- bloody noses before it has surfaced itself in me like waking up with bloody noses. It's not on my sheets. It's just when I blow my nose, it's like, Oh, gross. Wow. Yeah. That's really the only, that's really the only like body change that has surprised me. People say I have like the pregnancy glow, but I'm convinced it's because Nick's mom got me La Mer for Christmas. (laughs) I'm sure it's a little (laughs) bit of both. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so but you uh, of course you are still working out you're still into your yoga and all that is it scary because I, I would be like wrapping myself in bubble tape <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you I, I I didn't like at first I didn't feel much different so they they say all these things like don't go you know uh don't do this twist don't do that twist but it took a long time for me to like really even feel pregnant like I mean I felt pregnant right away like like you feel pregnant, but I mean like the the bump and the baby, like the the stomach part, you know? So I was doing everything. I was going to normal yoga classes. I was like running at the gym and for like a while. And then and then I started going to prenatal yoga class and it kinda like changed everything and I was like, Oh, this is this feels so much better for my body. And so I only do prenatal yoga now and only do prenatal Pilates just because they they won't do they won't do certain twists you're not supposed to. They won't do like you really aren't supposed to do like ab work because you can like separate your abs and mess them up. So I, I just only do prenatal stuff and then I'll go I'll run because that's pretty safe. But yeah, I don't know. They say they say like, you know, don't lay on your back because the which I hadn't heard like it can like hit some blood vessel or something. But I feel fine in my back and they say if you feel fine, you could still be on your back. So I don't know. I don't know. You can read so many things. They tell you like, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And like, it can cause you so much anxiety. So I've been getting a lot of anxiety, but but you're doing a great job. Yeah. I've been trying not to. Well, thank you for answering all my questions. Yeah. Thanks for asking them. I feel enlightened. Well, we've got three more months of you to (laughs) enlightenment (laughs) of you to ask me anything else you think of. But for now it is time for our reason of the week break. Okay, so Laura is about to become a mom, but not just any mom. She's a cool mom. Laura still hosts a podcast about dating, so we're going to keep her track or help her keep track of all the lingo relevant to both her mommy and podcaster life in a game we call Diaper Diaper Bag bag or Dildo. Nick, we're going to test you for this game. Sure. You have to tell us if the word or I guess the, the name. The phrase. The phrase is the, the phrase of a or the name of a diaper bag or the name of a dildo. Ah, okay. Are you ready to play? I am. All right, Angela, go for it. Okay, blueberry breeze, diaper bag or dildo? Diaper bag. 
Oh, yeah. What Actually, breeze? it's a dildo. It's a vibrator. Vibrating dildo. What is sexy about a blueberry? <laughs> I mean, it's a lovely shade of blue. The, okay. <laughs> I don't like that one. Next up, Jujube. Man, uh, I'm going to go diaper back. Good job. You're ready to be a dad now. Right. <laughs> um, pink lemonade. Diaper bag. What is up with these dildos that have names of like cocktails you get at a beach bar? Like I think blueberry, it's literally just based on the color. Blueberry breeze and pink lemonade. Like yeah. what is up with It's these? a blue vibrator and a pink vibrator. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Okay, next up. Honest. Boy, I'm going to go dildo. Man. <laughs> it always makes me really happy when people do bad at the game because it means <laughs> that they're bad. good. I'm doing bad. <laughs> uh, diaper bad. Not saying that you're doing bad. It's fine. Honest uh, should be a dildo. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like uh, deal with this. The brand you can trust. Yeah. Um, Grand Central. <laughs> a, a diaper bag. Okay. Yes, very good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a very weird dildo <laughs> name, but Okay, right. next up, Cobra Libre the second. <laughs> a dildo. Okay. Yes, it's actually a male vibrator. Mm. For men. Okay. Because they make those. Sure. Uh Loki. Loki. Diaper bag. Uh, it's an anal dildo. <laughs> Perhaps a Hawaiian themed one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> next up. Slingshot harness. Uh, diaper bag. That is a strap-on for a dildo. Slingshot harness. Okay. <laughs> um, petunia pickle bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Angela created this game, by the way, and did <laughs> such a good job. I'll go, I'll go diaper bag. You're right. That really it was too. It was too cute to be a dildo. No, that. But it could be, be an anal dildo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pickle bottom. I mean, that should be a dildo yeah. for sure. Mm. All right, last one, Angela. You came up with the best quiz ever. Oh, thanks. Wait, it's your turn though. You can read the last one, pregnant lady. Oh, okay. The love bump. I'm gonna go both. It's both a dildo <laughs> and a diaper bag. Uh, so you guys do that sometimes. It's just, we do do that sometimes for the last one. We do do the tricky ones. This is just a dildo, vibrating balls for a dildo. Yeah, you can. it's an attachment. <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, well, thanks for helping me with this game. So I will know the difference between my diaper bags and my dildo. And thanks for playing along and being yeah, a good sport, Nick. Terrible. And, uh... <laughs> And thank you for, for helping share our, our pregnancy story. Yeah. I hope by the time our kid can listen to podcasts that this will be deleted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you, you guys told your story. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. Yeah. And it had everything. It had laughter, tears, vibrating balls. But does any kid want to know position they're pregnant their parents were in i think it's like a car wreck it's like <laughs> no but they're gonna want to look i don't know okay sorry, i hope sorry buddy <laughs> sorry my beautiful son i really hope that i really hope only strangers listen to this episode <laughs> i don't want anyone in my life to listen to this if you have just pretend you haven't um but um we hope we have cleared up this week's reason but yeah in all honesty um 
thank you guys for helping me share this story. And I hope it helps anybody going through anything remotely similar. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say? Oh, thank you for your honesty and 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 being a cool lady. That's Thanks. gonna be a cool mom. Thanks for being a good friend throughout all this. You've honestly been been the best and so on. Really understanding friend and uh, yeah. Well, it's been really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, Just kidding. That is it for this week's. This is why you're single podcast. Thank you, Nick, for coming on. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, I also want to say thank you uh, first to Angela for being an amazing, uh, like second husband to Laura, <laughs> sometimes work wife, whatever you call it, and obviously to you laura for being an amazing partner through something that's been really uh incredible and challenging and beautiful and i cannot wait to bring a life into the world with you you're gonna be the best dad yeah. ever oh my god he's so guys. lucky he is he's like <laughs> the luckiest kid ever to have nick as a dad and shout out to Sam, who's going to be a great big sister. Sam the dog. <laughs> we'll have to talk yeah. about this on another podcast because we've been um, reading books on how to get the dog ready for the baby. And uh, it's been a challenge. <laughs> She's been. Anyway, we'll, we'll save that story for Yo, another Yeah, And uh, to any of the male listeners, if you want your wife's titties to get huge, <laughs> just get her pregnant, dude. <laughs> Yo. Nick's alter ego scares what? me. That's who I am inside. Oh, my God. Uh, let's do the plugs. Check yeah. out our book. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. We got an audiobook on Audible. And don't forget to come to my show, Femme Fairy Tales, April 16th and April 30th at the Upright Citizens Brigade Hell's Kitchen. It's at 8 p.m. on the 16th, I believe, and 9.30 on the 30th. I hope to see you guys there. And... Um, I might even let you rub the belly after the show. Ooh, that's that's big. <laughs> um, you guys can get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors. For a full list of sponsors and the codes, check out our podcast page on thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. If you want to get updates about Laura's shows and stuff, thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com is also a great place to sign up for our newsletter. Um, another place to get updates, we're on social. So follow us on Instagram and Twitter at your single show. Yeah, we've really been focusing hard on the Insta. Yeah, we're trying. We've gotten up to 12,000 followers, so thanks for following us. Yeah, you can also follow our personals, like if you want to see more bump pics of Laura. Yeah, go to Laura Lane Rad on Instagram. Nick, what are, you, what are your <laughs> socials? Come on, plug My your socials. socials. Uh, I mean, you can find me if you want to find me. I'm on the internet. It's fine. <laughs> All right. uh, but listen to HeadGum stuff. That's what I want you to do. Or come see some of the live shows this weekend, the New York Podfest. Uh, Jake and Amir, uh, Twinovation, it's happening this weekend. Hey, you, you look it up. That's right. <laughs> and you can follow me at Sparadactyl because I'll plug myself. Why not? Um, please like and subscribe on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening to, to this next very week. long episode. Yeah, and if you made it till the end, send us an email and, <laughs> and we'll give you a virtual high five. Let's give a special like code word if they make it to the end. Code word. What, what should our code word be? One of the words in your... Blueberry breeze, <laughs> blueberry, blueberry breeze. Just you get a yeah, virtual title, high five. Title your email blueberry breeze. <laughs> if you if you email us the with the phrase blueberry breeze in the subject line, we will give you a shout out yeah. of, with your name, <laughs> and we'll respond with petunia pickle bottom. Wow. <laughs> wow. It'll be like a secret code. Yeah. So thanks, guys. Tune in next week for a whole new, probably shorter show. Bye. Bye. 
That was a HeadGum Podcast.